This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to one of the greatest epics ever produced. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. stop and look around once in a while you could miss it what's wrong jesse they're having us for dinner well couldn't we just beg out i mean without offending them they're not inviting us to dinner they're having us for dinner uh... <laughs> that's right folks uh, welcome back to the next episode of Dude Looks Like the 80s, uh, the the canon version. <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm your one of your hosts, Rick, and I've got my buddy RJ with me. RJ, what's happening, man? Oh, it's good to be here again, Rick. Um, I think it's going to be another fun episode. I mean, I'm all ready for another 80s adventure. And not only just an 80s adventure, this is an 80s canon adventure. <laughs> Nothing so, like them, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, no. It's, um, yeah, I was, I was watching um, Electric Boogaloo the other day just to kind of get me back into thinking about the canon movies. And, man, what an adventure those guys went on. Yeah. I mean, what's your, what's your take on it, Rick, with um, canon? I think it's just a, a group of movies that you grew up with, but they definitely have their own stamp. When when you yell out the names of these movies, just if you go down the list and you go, yeah, I can totally see how these movies all tie together. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, let me give you an example. Okay, so we're doing this podcast. We're doing an 80s podcast. You're a guy from Pet Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I'm a guy that likes going treasure hunting. So if you had uh, Golden and Govers come in and look at us, they'll go, I'll tell you what, let's make a film about a Tennessee cowboy. Or <laughs> call it, let's call it the Tennessee cowboy and the treasure hunter. And it'd be like something like a, a cowboy and the treasure hunter forming a likely alliance to fight forces of evil to save the world. And that's the type of thing they did. That's, yeah. After watching that show, I thought, this is what these guys did predominantly. They, they, they made that type of genre. They kind of saw it was hot at the time and just kind of capitalized off of it. I mean, yes, that's right. I mean, it's it's so easy to sum it up in a couple of movies. So you know, action wise, well, the one we're doing today, King Solomon's Mines, but uh, you know, Cobra. You know, you think about uh, all the Jean Claude Van Damme stuff. If 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 the word Absolutely. if the word breaking and breaking two <laughs> doesn't really describe <laughs> it for you, I don't know what else will. But, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's funny you say Breaking because that was actually one of their most successful yeah, movies. It was that huge. Actually put, 
put them back on the block because I think uh, they made it for about a million dollars. And yeah. then it made a return of about forty-six million at the time because everybody was in on that. And yeah. and then they went and they said, "Oh, this works. So let's go and make electric boogaloo." And then they just <laughs> took it to another level. It's like everybody's like dancing off the ceiling and loads and loads <laughs> of crazy stuff. They took it to another level. But I mean, it, they, they were purely having fun back then. That's how. Right. That's kind of how I saw it. So I tell you what. Yeah. Since we're, since we're on the topic, let's just let's try yeah. this. Let's try this. What okay. is your favorite? Canon film. Oh, that is that's a bit like asking me or asking you about what's your favorite Kiss song because <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, it's I'm gonna go with the first one I watched, it was Delta Force oh, with Chuck Norris. Wow, yeah, nice. Um, and I'll tell you the reason why it's because it's I watched it, I know it came out in 1986, so I was probably about 10 or 11. Yeah. And I was just blown away by it. <laughs> and the thing that I was blown away with the most was actually the film um, score by Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, yeah. Who I think he's done he's done the soundtrack to King Solomon's Minds because mm-hmm. I've got a double track downstairs. And that song, you know, the bit at the end with Chuck Norris yeah. on the motorcycle and he's taking on all the bad guys and you've got that song in the background. And I kept rewinding that to the point where the tape just kept on. <laughs> <laughs> the VHS almost broke, I was winding that back. So, yeah, I've got to say Delta Force, because um, wow. it's the first one that I remember. Yeah, and well, I, I still love it now. How about yourself? I have to go with the craziness that is Ninja 3, The Domination. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Where else are you going to get a, a, you know, uh a telephone repair operator climbing the poles, but is also a aerobics instructor who gets possessed by the, 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 the by a spirit of a evil ninja. I mean, uh, that's gold. Absolutely, and it had the lovely uh, Lucinda Dickey in it, wasn't it? Yep. Wasn't she like um, from Electric Boogaloo? Dan- yeah. I mean, a dancer, wasn't she? Yeah. Predominantly, I mean, um, and that's the other thing, isn't it? I mean, you had these people with other talents that become actors. So yep. you had Chuck Norris, who was a karate champion, and then you had Luc- Lucinda Dickey, who was a dancer, and. Canon was kind of like an open door for Absolutely. them to be involved in movies, wasn't it? And it was kind of like the. I don't know if you're familiar with the Gong Show <coughs> or not, but it's basically okay. So what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, you're hired. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think um, the legacy of Canon, even though they came to an end, I think it was around about the nineties. Yeah. The Canon legacy is still there today. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, especially when you look at someone like Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, who's started off as a wrestler and then got into acting. And when you look at his films, you think that's that's basically that's still a canon movie. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there was one he brought out recently. I think it was like a bit of a diehard rip-off. And Absolutely. It was called the Tower. The Tower, yeah. And you look at that and you think, that is a Golden Globus <laughs> influence movie. Isn't it? I mean, let's face it, it's still there. They're still hiding in the shadows of Hollywood, aren't they, still? So, yeah. And it's great. So. That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think there's one of the funny quotes. I mean, this I don't think Hollywood could get used to these two guys because they told it how it was. Right. Because um, uh, Yoram 
Dolus came out and said, "Well, we make we know we make a lot of bad movies, but sometimes we make good ones." <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of how I describe Dino De Laurentiis as well, because it's like I made a comment of, you know, sixty-four percent of the time you're going to be impressed, <laughs> you know, and the rest of the time you're going to go, "Yeah, I don't know about that one." <laughs> so. Oh yeah, Dino De Laurentiis, man. Yeah, yeah, another great director. Um, <laughs> I think we're probably going to have to bring up another time. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we're going to cover a lot of canon flip films and also some Dino yeah. stuff in here. It's, that's what's going to be fun about this, man. And, uh, you know, you, you brought up Kiss a while ago, so I have to say it. Uh, I got to go, yeah, go, got go, to go see him on the farewell tour this last yeah. week. And, you know, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, of course, there's a lot of controversy about what's going on because are they using tracks and not using tracks? Of course, Paul Stanley's voice is just not what it used to be, and you know, bless his heart, he does the best he can. But as far as a show goes, man, you're talking about getting your money's worth. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you sent me some video clips, and I saw it. It's amazing. But yeah. you've got to give these guys a break. I mean, what they they're sort of late sixties, early seventies. Oh yeah, now, I mean, and they're, they're still producing seventy stuff years like old, and, and you know, yeah, you've got you to know. give this guy a break. <laughs> So I'm, I'm glad they're stopping because, you know, personally, I think they should have stopped about eight years ago. But that's just me. But, uh, you yeah. know. Uh, well, I went to go and see um, ACDC a couple of years back with uh, Brian Johnson. Yeah. Similar sort of age. But, boy, these guys rocked. And oh, yeah. I came away and I was I was deaf. I couldn't hear anything after exactly. that. Exactly. I was just like, yeah, but it was amazing. It was amazing. And supposedly, got, um, I was going to say, supposedly they're back together with Brian Johnson because you know they had all that falling out stuff where Axel was singing all that stuff. So apparently they're yeah. making a new record together. Yes, and that would be good. Um, yeah. I do like it when they get together and they're still making some great stuff. Yeah. Because um, I got their, I think it was their Black Ice album. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that must have been about 10 years ago now. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, but it reminded me. It was like back in Black Two. Yeah. It, it could the, the tracks on there. I'm wondering whether it's some tracks that they didn't use for back in Black Two back in the eighties. <laughs> um, but it was amazing. It's just mm-hmm. they are they are great rock bands. Oh yeah. Like Kiss, uh, amazing. But I've also I've got a little bit of um, a time here. Okay. With our show, which I just I'm, I'll, I'll tell you now what it is is so we got. Tom Selleck, okay, <laughs> which you mentioned the last show with right. um, Indiana Jones. Then we've got Gene Simmons from oh, Kiss. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. I know where you're going. Saying, I think you probably know where I'm going with this, right? Absolutely. Gene, Gene Simmons was in a film called Runaway, yeah. 1984, as the bad guy. Yeah. And then we've got Kiss in 1977. We're in um, a Marvel comic. Howard the Duck. That's right. I'm just saying. There you go. So yeah. we actually, um, that might be the next film that we're covering. So we're actually tying over here. So. Yeah. But I won't cool. go. I'm not going to go any further, it because if I keep <laughs> going on, I, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to tie with Nicholas Cage somehow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, is of course the listeners don't know it, but you're going to now. But originally. We talked about King Solomon's Mines being our first movie that we covered together. We did. And we were like, you know, I don't know if enough people have really seen this and why Mm. it came out like it did. And so we went back to to Indiana Jones, which, you know, obviously when you hear this episode, (laughs) there's no denying (laughs) what they were trying to do. 
Oh, I see. Right, you were. Yeah, that's right. We were going to do King Solomon's Mines, and then I said to you, "Shall we do Indie?" Because Indie was my the first film that I I'd seen, which I said in the, yeah. in the last episode. But yeah. we need to cover this film. This is a fun. This is a fun movie. It's a fun canon movie. Sure. Um, and it, I think it ticks all the boxes about canon as well. Oh yeah. And we'll yeah. go into that when when we review it. So. Yeah. So hey, I've got I've got a question for you because this uh, my, me and my wife were talking about this the other day. Of course, oh, I wasn't making a sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. No, it's uh, we were just thinking about, and this this may be stupid. I don't know, but huh? you know, we grew up in a time period with, with not many British TV shows over here. So when we finally got to see, I'm gonna say like the young ones, or even yeah. Monty Python, they started bringing Monty Python back and watching those a lot, and. You know, and people may be listening to the show, and they may struggle a little bit with your accent. You know, because oh, so, okay. so I knew it, it took me a long time. I'd be watching Monty Python. I was like, <clears> yeah, <throat> I don't, I don't really know what they're saying. Yeah. And there's still times when they talk really fast. I miss some yeah. things, but you know, it's oh, right. it's tuning your ear to it. But my question for you is, mm. is it kind of the same way with? American films or TV shows as far as accents and knowing what's being said, or is it just us being stupid? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, not at all. I get what you're saying. Um, I've been to America several times now, and when I go there, they, I remember I was on a bus, and everybody seems to talk to each other out there. They're very sociable out in America. Oh, yeah. And I was sat on a bus, and the bus driver's talking about some sort of trying to buy a house and his social security. And I like to talk to people as well, so I started saying, you know, talking to him, and he, and he remember a really good conversation, and he goes, but you're from Australia, so <laughs> you guys are all right. And I was like, why does every American think I'm from Australia? <laughs> no. No, maybe they think I'm poor. But no, not at all, Rick. I think um, never had a problem with it at all. Okay. Uh, yeah. The American accent. In fact, I feel more American than English because I grew up with, there was a massive American influence Still, even now in England, yeah. with TV. So, uh, with some of the stuff I'm going to go into in a minute with the uh, TV guide. Huh. Um, but yeah, massive influence. Um, yeah. I feel more American than English. <laughs> <laughs> I just always wondered about that because, you know, like I said, the, the wife brought it up the other day, and yeah. it was like, wow, because it, it, you really had to kind of fine tune your ear to, to, to really think about what's being said because, <clears throat> you know, there's a difference between glasses and glasses, you know. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, and it's, uh, we, we call it data, and the Americans might call it data. Sure. Just to say, for instance, so. Um, but yeah, that's no, funny you say that, though, because I've got a little, little bit of um, feedback from our last show. Yeah. From one of our other podcast hosts, Court Sipes. Oh yeah. From Cinema Sipes, and uh, he said he listened to the show, and he came out and said, uh, "Does anybody else think that RJ sounds like Vinnie Jones?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just for the listeners, Vinnie Jones is a he's an ex football player from the. Um, he used to play for Wimbledon, and then he became a, um, a film actor. And he was in a film called Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Right. So he's kind of like a bit of a hard man of um, football and cinema. <laughs> but when I, when I thought about it, I was thinking, I was hoping that Court wasn't talking about Vinnie Jones in Gone in 60 Seconds because he doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we, we've kind of we've kind of fixed that situation. <laughs> oh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, cool. Yeah, it's it just, you know, just differences in words because you know, I'm a huge fan of Bottom, you know, which is the... Uh, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. the guys that were in... Um, 
Well, I just Rick, lost it. Rick Mao. Rick Mao yeah. and, and uh, Vivian. <laughs> uh, yeah, Aid Edmondson yes. was in that. Yeah. yeah, two very clever guys. But yeah, that was a big show over here. Yeah, the um, young ones was huge here. And then I just was it. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Was they, it? It was, it was uh, being out of America. They played it, it on okay. MTV. I mean, it was like right. a everyday show on MTV during the eighties. And uh, okay. yeah, so we we were exposed to some some things, just not a lot. That's the that was the big one that I remember. And you know, I picked up on Bottom just not too many years ago, and I was like, this show is awesome. <laughs> That's interesting. That's good to hear, though, because uh, we do say we wonder if uh, the American audience gets our sense of humor. Oh yeah, well, we do have a sort of dry sense of humor. Yeah, um, but but it's here. it's very unique, but it's super funny because mm. uh, you go back and watch, you know, Faulty Towers, all that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, and did you did Only Fools and Horses go? Did, did that go over to the states? It was Del Boy and Rodney. A couple of weird data type guys. It may have. I, that was I, quite big over here. Uh, I never got a chance to see um, that. But, um, Ab- if, um, Absolutely Fabulous was huge over here. Oh, Ab- Fab, okay. Yeah. Wow, this is... I never I, I never thought these shows would have hit the States. I thought they were just purely... I, I wouldn't have thought the Americans would have got that humour. Oh, I say yeah. that respectfully, you know what I mean? It's, um, <laughs> but um, with, I've got uh, um, the young ones. Yeah. Uh, when I was growing up, they filmed an episode outside my house. Really? Uh, yeah, so when I was a kid, I mean, it's all new to me. I was looking out, and there's a, there's a film crew <laughs> outside. There was Rick Mao, and there was an episode where they had they were like they had a lobster or something. Um, <laughs> that's all I seem to remember. It's crazy, but um, yeah, my mum was telling me, oh yeah, they're they're actors outside. But I was really young at that time. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> wow. Well, awesome, man. That's cool. I tell you what. Let's let's jump straight into uh, just uh, the year this movie came out was 1985, and just like we did last episode, we're going to talk about some movies, some music, all that kind of good stuff that was happening back in the day. Matter of fact, we're going to uh, let's see, uh, Ed McMahon. I tell you what, go ahead and uh, line us up here, buddy. RJ, we're going to start with some TV Guide stuff, and I'm going to let you kick it off. Here's our here's our sound bite for that. I just like to read the TV Guide. Read the TV Guide. You don't need a TV. There you go. <laughs> Good old grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got to actually got, um, I'm looking at the front cover here, and I've got Kurt Russell on the front. No. And uh, it's got a, it says, if it wasn't for VHS rental, I wouldn't have a career. <laughs> Full story on page 31. So... <laughs> Well, but uh, well, anyway, but might have read that later on. Okay, so let's have a look here. Um, we've got what if you only had one hour to save the world? No problem. New show premiere on ABC at eight o'clock. It's MacGyver. MacGyver. Mm. <laughs> the only guy, the only guy that can get you out of a steel cage room with a <laughs> paper clip, I think, was not it? Yeah, chewing gum wrapper, you know. <laughs> He could do wondrous things, but um, that was a big show over here. Yeah, we loved that. Yeah, very big um, over here. I mean, they even have done parodies and all kinds of stuff of it. So, yeah, and like you said last week, um, or in the other show, we they've redone that, haven't they? I think they've redone yeah. MacGyver. Yeah, 
But it, it did. It did. I watched it, but it didn't really work for me. I was almost. I was expecting Richard Dean Anderson to turn right. up, and it didn't have the same effect, unfortunately. But it did back then. It was amazing. It had a really good. Um, again, intro, the song. Yep. It's so iconic. And just that '80s wonderment of you. You could be ridiculous and over the top. And it was okay. And now we make everything so serious. You know, it's like, dude, I mean, it's supposed to be fun, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think that's why I don't like the new um, episodes that they're making. It doesn't yeah. have that. They don't have it, it. It, it. No, it's almost like it's sort of ad libbed in a way. They just kind of just made it up as they went along. And yeah. it was a whole ton of fun. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've got another show here. Um, all new series premiere. They couldn't kill him. Now they can't escape him. It's uh, Street Hawk. Oh, um, yeah. Starring Rex Smith, uh, 9 p.m. on AP- ABC. Um, do you remember that one, Rick? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I seem to remember he had the bike, but no one else could get on it. Uh-huh. So if someone, it would throw them off. Well, it was the um, uh, the equivalent of, uh, hey, let's do Night Rider, but just, just make it a bike. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say to you, actually, was it? This came out after Night Rider. Yeah. I take it was this after. It must have been after success. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say um, on Night Rider, I was speaking to someone at work the other day, and they said that they met um, David Hasselhoff at the airport. Oh. And they said he was a nice guy. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't know. You, you meet your heroes. Right. You're not too sure whether they're going to live up to that. You, what you think they're going to be. But anyway, he said um, went up to him, said hello to him, and David Hasselhoff went. Um, Night Rider or Baywatch. That's all he said to him. And he went, uh, <laughs> Night Rider. So then he, he he spoke into his watch and went, Hey, Kit, um, can you wait for me outside the terminal in five minutes? And he's like, just blown away. But I said to my mate, I said, If that was me, I probably would have gone Star Crash. Exactly. I was going to say, You bring up Star Crash and he calls security on you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get that man arrested. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, I've got one more thing on here, Rick. It's, um, it's an advert, um, and they're advertising a Casio keyboard. Yes. And it's a, it's a ZZ101, and it retails at $499. Damn. <laughs> and their tagline is, we've engineered this synthesizer you don't have to be an engineer to play it so there you go i'm sold hey it's a casio i mean there you go folks you see what he's doing right i mean because we talked about watches last time it's always so who knows it may not just be watches maybe it's just casio in general he's obsessed with (laughs) it's it's almost becoming the show mascot right? right this show brought to you by casio Go on, Rick. Yeah. What you got? You got anything on the? Oh yeah. TV Yeah, and uh, this week in 1985 on CBS, we had uh, at seven o'clock we had uh, the TV show Fame. You remember? You ever heard of that show? I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, they, um, because it's based off a movie. You know, the movie came first. Yeah, I thought that TV show worked really well. Yeah. Um, because they had a storyline. <laughs> But I think, I, I, oh, I think, did they? Yeah, I think, I like, yeah. That's quite rare for the 80s, wasn't it, to actually have a plot and a story on? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, not a fan. 
I don't. I, well, you 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 said before you didn't like musicals. Yeah, I just I don't, yeah don't like people just breaking out in a song for no reason. So you know. Well, I don't. I don't think they could go in the corridor without dancing in that show. Could yeah. they? I just seem to remember everybody dancing. So. <laughs> Uh, what else you got then, Rick? Okay, after that, followed up with that was Airwolf. That's what oh, I'm talking about. What a show, yeah. yeah. Great. Stringfellow Hawk. Yeah, awesome. Um, and I suppose, you know, God bless uh, uh, Jan Michael Vincent because he passed away this year, didn't he? Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. That was a big show. Yeah, no, great. yeah it was a really big show over here. Um, mm. And. I still hear a lot of people using that on their ringtone. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing intro. We'll uh, jump to NBC, which we had the movie David Copperfield. So, and that's all it kind of really said. It didn't really say who was in it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if it's like a really old one or whatever, like a, you know, but at 7 o'clock at night, you would think it'd have to be something newer, you know. <laughs> so we just kind of skip through that and go back to ABC, where we had a, a special... Dion, it's a Dion Warwick special. You remember Dion Warwick? I don't know if you remember. I her. do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She is she. Um, oh, hang on a second. Whitney Houston's. Yep. Yep. Um, Aunt or something like that. Auntie or something like yep. that, isn't it? Yeah. No. Yeah. I uh, do like. Um, she yeah. was. She was on a show called Solid Gold, which is a big show over here. Um, you know, it was a, like a top 40 kind of show. And then, uh, of course, she had a big hit with uh, That's What Friends Are For, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, on, on this special, though, she does a duet with Boy George, and you also get some Billy Ocean on there. Want to be your lover, lover. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds like the going get really got tough there, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice one. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, old Boy George, he must have done all right out in the States in that time, because I remember oh, the yeah. old looked after him, didn't they, in one of the episodes? Absolutely huge, man. I mean, yeah. Um, it, well, I. Hey, I had color by numbers myself. I mean, I, I, I bought it too. So, yeah, he's another. I mean, he's another iconic, big yeah. iconic guy of the eighties, isn't he, Boy George? Well, you know um, what? He had a great voice, or I guess he still does. I mean, he really has has a good voice, and uh, you know, so underneath the makeup, it's kind of like the whole Lady Gaga thing. She can come out and be as crazy as you want, but you can still see the talent there. And I think Boy George is a great example of that too. Yeah, um, just a great voice. Yeah, because um, Lady Gaga, another great artist of today. Yeah. <clears throat> but like you say, with Boy George and Madonna, and especially Prince yep. as well. Uh, when I see Lady Gaga, I see Prince. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The way she is on stage and mm-hmm. everything's very, um, very elaborate, isn't it? It's, it it's, it's great showmanship, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, and the thing about her is she's a huge Kiss fan. And of course, we know the name Lady Gaga came from a Queen song. So there you go. She's she's all over the map with that stuff. Oh, is that where she got her name from? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. And I, I didn't know that. I, I, I like her. I think she's fantastic. Oh, well, yeah. I do. Yeah. I think she's brought out some great songs. Yeah. So. Like this one. Boozy, boozy, bop. <laughs> yeah. All right, RJ, let's jump into some 1985 movies. Oh, well, it was a bad year for movies here, Rick. I mean, I'm back to the future. Oh, terrible um, film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like I said last time, I'm going to go through these. I think we're going through the list of what we are going to cover in the future. <laughs> um, you've got The Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. Um the Goonies came out this year. 
Wow. Uh, Weird Science. Man. Uh, Fright, Fright Night. Oh, God. Uh, that's, that's a film we need to cover. Yeah. Um, Team Wolf. <laughs> uh, Commando. Mm. Return of the Living Dead. Now that's one of my favourites. I mean, you, you need a you need a medical supply. <laughs> listen, listen that lineup. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Every one of yeah. those movies are iconic. Every one of them. Yeah, and I really have filtered this out as well. Going through IMBD and looking on the internet, um, you've also got Reanimator that year as well. <laughs> uh, you know, just and I've had to stop there. I've had to think. Well, I've got to try and fill this out a little bit. Wow. And then not only that. Um, 1985, going on Canon. Canon brought out about 46 films this year. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, and you think this was the time when we only had cinemas to go to watch yeah. these films yeah. and then video rental. So yeah. there was an abundance for us. And I think that's why when I said last week that I still haven't seen every film in the 80s, um, that's because I don't think I ever really had time then to really get round to watching these films, right. or some of them just sort of slipped by. But Crazy. Yeah, what you got, Rick? You got a... Uh... Yeah, I did uh, the movies that came out this month in 1985, and uh, believe it or not, I don't have any repeats of what you just brought up, because you kind of did a year retrospective there. But I've yeah. got uh, Cat's Eye came out this month. Seen that? Yes. Yep. Uh, Stephen isn't King. That a, yeah, it's like a mini uh-huh. sort of short stories. Uh, yeah. Short stories. That was it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. And we're getting to some of our sleazy teen movies here with Fraternity Vacation. Uh, <laughs> don't know if you ever seen that one or not, but that's kind of a. It's people's like, yeah, I don't remember that one. And then you show it to me. Oh yeah, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember it myself. But, um, yeah. <laughs> and then we actually had a movie called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Of course, the song was such a big hit, they decided to take a movie and kind of run with that. So another teen schlocky film, you know. But and uh, is uh, Cindy Lauper in? No, no, it does not. Camp? She doesn't. Right. No, okay. no. So they just uh, they they stole the idea because it was popular and there you right. go that's that's how they do. <laughs> uh, had a Lady Hawk came out this month. Oh yeah, yeah. Isn't that is that a guy from V? Who's in that or not? From V. Hang on, I'm trying to think. Was it was it Rick Heroes in that one? Lady. It was. Uh, oh, he had. Uh, dang. Michelle Pfeiffer, was, Michelle Pfeiffer was in it. Uh, I don't know. It may have been him. Yeah, I'm trying to think now. Who the main character? Was that Rooker here? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, no. it was. It was Rooker, yeah. He was the main character. Yeah, because I can picture the um, poster for that movie. Right, right. It's quite a, quite a, yeah. quite a beautiful... Well, it's like all the 80s posters, isn't it? They're all very beautifully made. Right. But, yeah, no. Uh, company, company of Wolves. You seen that one? Oh yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now is that the one with the famous scene where they're all at the table and they all start transforming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Dave, it's uh, David Warner in that film as well. He's a, think so. he's another actor that you see in movies. I think he's in the the Omen. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh man, David Warner's in everything. Tron. I mean, the guys everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, he's got um, Ultimate Bad Guy on his CV, isn't he? Well, um, and a little trivia was... for you, I don't know if you know this or not, but he was originally going to be Freddy Krueger. Was he really? Yeah. Wow. 
I suppose it would have been one of those things if it, he, he did play Freddie Krieger and none of us would have known any different. And I think he probably would have played that really well. Uh, he, he'd, probably, he'd probably be a little more menacing. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm not taking anything away from Robert England, but I mean, he wouldn't be that, hur, hur, rah, rah, bon appetit, you know. He'd be more like, hello, I'm yeah. cutting your face off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the proper Robert England, I'm back. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. I think it'd probably be, it probably would be menacing because um, more so, you were talking about accents earlier, and I think the English accent um, can be a little bit more menacing. Sure. In the in the American, um, for the American audience. Yeah. But yeah, no, David Warner. Yeah. Uh, we got, anyway, got anything else on there? Yeah, a movie called Moving Violations. You familiar with that one? What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know how the you know you got Police Academy and all these things that were really popular. So they just kept running with that idea, and they come up with a show where a group of misfit people that are all getting like. Tickets wrote up because of their bad driving or parking in bad spots, and they have to go to like driving school. Right, and okay, yeah. the, the leader of this group is Bill Murray's younger brother, the the one. Yeah. That, I mean, he hasn't done but just two or three things, and so they hired him to basically be Bill Murray in this movie. <laughs> and it's oh, okay. it's it, this should be a canon film, but uh, yeah. it, it's still a lot of fun, you know. Right. Okay. So you may want to check that one out. Yeah, I might have to check that out. It's probably on YouTube or something like that well, somewhere. So. Can't find it, let yeah. me know. I will hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be my go-to man. And then we've got a a, a, a movie we covered on Hell Ming, which is uh, just one of the guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember listening to that episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a great slice of 80s greatness right there. I mean, it's got all the elements, all the checking all the boxes, you know. So that's a good yeah. one. I'm surprised that hasn't been remade and turned in more of a melodrama, actually. Because <laughs> with the way, you know, things are now, it's like, uh, you know, they're bullying me, you know. Say, hey, suck it up. Just, you know, do like we did in the 80s. Just handle it yourself. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Anyways, we'll get over that. All right, let's move, let's move into the songs of 1985. What you got, RJ? Okay, so I've got uh, Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Breakfast Club, man. I mean, uh, iconic. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, I've I've picked all movie songs here. And it's, what I noticed in the 80s was you had the film and you had the song. The two went together. Yeah. So when you went to go and watch the film at the cinema, you'll come out and you'll be singing these songs. And that's that's because of the MTV movement, you know, being able to put visuals with music. And then it started creeping into movies, without a doubt. And I think the amalgamation worked really well. Um, but I don't really see that today. I said to um, my girlfriend, Becky, when we go to see films now, I, I, I don't really come out of the cinema going, oh, yeah, there's that song, and I remember that. I'm going to go and try and find it. Um, the, the last one but, I can remember that I saw that I was impressed with was in the Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2 when they're doing Mr. Blue Sky at the beginning with the battle that's going on. I thought that was very, oh, yeah. very well done. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, we're touching on that one now. Yeah, I I really liked Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah. Oh, when I watched that first one and he's um, sort of dancing at the yeah. beginning, isn't he, to sort of Redbone, isn't it? And yep. I thought, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> this guy kind of reminds me of me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, and also, I mean, we're kind of segueing here, but the director is it um, James Gunn? 
the director yep. for Guardians of the Galaxy. He is a massive Easter egg homage to the 80s fan, isn't he? Cause, oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I think I might have posted on How I Mean once. It was the gun that he's got. Yep. Is the same gun that they've got in the black hole, isn't it? Right. I think. Right. I think that is a direct Which little is Easter egg. But, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let's not, I'll try not to segue onto that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, next one. Okay, so we've got Tina Turner. We don't need another hero. Oh, uh, yeah. watch the video to this and you're like wow uh, you know tina's wearing her you know golden blonde mohawk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from the movie and singing the song it's like okay yeah well yeah i mean they took it to another level here didn't they they didn't only just uh, have her sing the song they had her in the movie as well yeah. and um uh, this film, a lot of people don't like this installment of Mad Max, but I do. Um, I think it's a good film. I can see why people don't like it. I think it's got a, a very, hasn't got a great middle act, but the beginning yeah. act is amazing. Yeah. And when they go to Barter Town and yeah, the amount of work they must have put onto that set was just amazing. But um, well, you got to yeah, remember, maybe, you just you just came off of the second one, so how do you, <laughs> how do you you well, know top that? Oh you yeah. Know? So. Big, massive um, shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a great movie. Let's get on to the next one very quickly before I get into one of that. Uh, a view to a kill. Yeah. I remember this one being a big deal because uh, the keyboard player had actually gotten samples of you know the old soundtracks, all the horn blast and things you hear in there are all from. You know, James Bond soundtracks. Oh, did he? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. Cool. That made it kind of a kind of a big deal. So. Yeah, I remember that being quite a big film. Nick. I mean, every most of the James Bond films are big, but this one was. Yeah. I think it was a little bit more iconic to me because of that song that came out at the time, and I remember it being on TV. And um, Grace Jones. Absolutely. She was in that one, wasn't she? So. Yeah. <laughs> can't get any more. Like can't get more '80s than that, man. <laughs> no, no, especially I think you guys spoke about it on. Was it on How Mean? Yeah. Uh, Conan the Destroyer. Right. <laughs> I was listening. I was listening to that episode when I was on holiday, and I couldn't stop laughing. when you said she she was given a script for. She, she just, she just tore it up and just, just, just screamed all the time. <laughs> just, just do her own thing. Yeah, just her own thing. But again, that worked. That worked in that film. It was fine. I loved yeah. it. Um, next one is Power Love. can you say well that's it and he, he also had a cameo in um, mm -hmm. the film as well didn't he, he was absolutely one of the judges wasn't he so you're yeah. just too damn loud well, <laughs> uh, and the last one here is this is one of my favorite songs it's uh, cindy lauper good enough from right. goonies <laughs> and that song, um, when I watched The Goonies, that song just blew it out of the water. 
<laughs> so you've seen the whole film and then you've got to the end and then this song comes up with the rolling credits and I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and that was and I think that's the power of these songs back in that time. They really did Absolutely. Uh, complement the movie, didn't they? They made yeah. it just that little bit better. Not yeah. that it needed to be that better, but it just made it that little bit better. I think they did a better yeah. job of matching songs with movies back then, you know. Um now you you either <laughs> just throw a kind of heavier band at the end of it, going, rah, 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 you know, or something. And yeah, it doesn't really have the same connection. You don't really care, you know. Whereas I, I mean, I will listen to that song when I'm on my way to work and I'm still on the train and it's all very boring commute. And I'll put that song on and I feel like I'm a kid back in the 80s on my BMX bike <laughs> going, you know, going on some sort of adventure or something like that. And, it's, and I think that's the power of these songs. It's just, yeah. RJ, take an adventure? <laughs> I would, no, never. No, no, I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then, what you got? We've All got right. This. So the top 10 songs in the USA in 1985 this week. Uh, number 10 was a Diana Ross hit called Missing You. Kind of goes like that. So, iconic musician. I mean, kind of had a reboot of her, hist- of her history, of her, of her career yeah. kind of at this point because with the popularity of Michael Jackson and she yes, started to do yeah, these huge right, shows and, and uh, I don't know, man, uh, she just had some incredible staying power back then. So not bad uh, stuff. It still has no, that very 70s kind of feel to it, but hey. I was just going to say that, yeah, uh, where that came out in 85, it still sounds yep. like a late 70s song. Yeah, um, it's got a little thicker layers on it than a 70s would, but that's probably just the yeah. drum sounds. But other than that, it's still a Motown you know, oh, yeah. kind of song. So, yeah, N- no, number nine was Obsession by Anna Motion. Remember that song? Go like this. You that was just a. Yeah, I do remember it. Main, yeah. uh, mainstay video on MTV. They showed it all the time. <laughs> and the lyrics were kind of risque for the time, man. Who do you want me to be for you to sleep with me? I, you know, oh, you're playing yeah, this, I, playing this for 13 year old kids. You're like, hmm, I don't know about. Yeah, all I this. think I, that's something I've noticed as I've got older. When I'm thinking, oh, listen, time to listen to these lyrics a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, like when we talk about, man, they just use terrible language in this movie, and you go back and watch Die, Die Hard, and you're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, die, die Hard would just have a PG-13 certificate now, probably. So you brought up uh, Prince a little bit earlier, and uh, yeah. this this next artist is Tina Marie. She had a song called Lover Girl, but she was tied in directly with Prince. So right. uh, a big song for her. Kind of go like this. Oh, yeah. That's 80s. Oh, yeah. She's one of those that. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just gonna say, it sounds a lot like when you said Prince. Sounds like Sheena Easton. You've got yep. the look. It, it's it's got it's, the same sort of. She's got kind of the same vocal range. Uh, hmm. Actually, a really good guitar player. Um, yeah. And she's just one of those that Prince kind of picked up and and uh, said, you know, this this lady needs to be heard. So. Yeah. 
next we're getting <laughs> we're getting really 80s on you here. Here's uh, Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge. So you can go back to... I've, I've just got up and started dancing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you I can... I like Margaret Douglas in a white suit in Romance in the Stone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> can trace that back to the, the Last Dragon, I do believe. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that also sounds like um, Gloria Estevan. Yeah, yeah, very much. Very mm. much, yeah. Uh, next up, you had Bruce Springsteen with I'm on Fire, him being, you know, kind of solemn here. I got a bad desire. So, how weird. Me now, I mean, is it good you know, that could be a old Johnny Cash song, you know, and it was. Yeah, I could almost, I could almost imagine myself in an old American car just driving down yeah, the highway. Exactly. Like, you know, with, me arm out the window. Yeah. And, th- and that's what it's people a, think of when they song. think of Bruce Springsteen. They think of Americana, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. you know, I've, I've never been a really big fan, but it just, you know, Born in the USA was such a big hit. It's one of those things where you get two or three songs that become hits off the album, and some of them probably shouldn't be, but they just are because, you know, they had such a big hit out of the other one. They just kind of stick these other ones in there, so... Yeah, uh, yeah one of my favorite um, Bruce Springsteen songs is Hungry Heart. Everybody's sure. got a hungry. Yeah, that's a really good song. Yeah. Uh, uh, next, we got uh, Material Girl from the one and only Madonna, of course. Oh, yeah. This is actually my favorite Madonna song. Uh, I just, I love that one, man. Great song. The video's yeah, fun. Madonna song. Yeah. Uh, Number four is the Commodores with Night Shift, uh, kind of a tribute to all the Motown people we lost. Of course, that's another band that, you know, because Lionel Richie had kind of stepped out at this point, so, you know, the chances of them having a big song at this point was pretty unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) And... You know, we were saying earlier, we were saying about the sort of amalgamation of the 70s going into the 80s. I think that's a good example of oh, yeah. a, a, a song that has actually come from like the sort of late 70s into the 80s and amalgamated, and that's the type yep. of sound that you're you're getting. Yep. And yeah, and that's a great song. I like that one. Absolutely. Uh, next up, yeah. Madonna had two hits on the, on the top 10 here. She had number three was Crazy for You. Slow ballad. Yeah. this point she could do no wrong man i mean she could do no wrong no and yeah she deserved all the credit she got i call it the phil collins syndrome because it seemed like there was a point there where it didn't matter what the song was if you said hey phil collins played tambourine on this song it was gonna be a hit you know (laughs) yeah that's right exactly yeah everybody was in on it um and she also did a few films didn't she in the 80s was it who's that girl yep she's um in so she touched that i think phil collins also got into movies as well desperately seeking susan yeah so desperately seeking susan yeah that's right um just go on and on (laughs) and those are the good ones <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> ironically at number two was phil collins with one more night oh, you're kidding man 
You know, Ricky, are we sharing a prime or something? What's going on? I think uh, I think people are gonna, you know, think we actually know what we're doing here, and we know. Oh, yeah, honestly, guys, we, this was we didn't share any of this post-production nights, did we? <laughs> honestly, didn't want to make it. And number one on the charts in 1985 was obviously "We Are the World." Yeah, big one. Big. I've got goosebumps now, Rick, after listening to that. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't listened to that song for ages, actually. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it still um, holds up. You know, they tried to redo it several years ago, and right. just like everything else, you kind of go, nah, no thanks. Nah, it didn't work. <laughs> if you want to listen to it, just go and listen to that song. Yeah, right. it's fantastic. <laughs> All right, I believe at this point we're just going to take a little short break. We will come right back. You're going to hear some fantastic 80s commercials, and you're also going to hear the trailer for the awesome King Solomon's Mind. We'll be right back, people. You got a date, skin's looking great, because clear seals ace, face to face. Clearasil gives you great looking skin, even close up. Inside, it kills bacteria to dry the pimple. Clearasil's ace, face to face. Outside, it soaks up all the excess oil. Feeling first great, your skin's looking great, cause Clearasil's ace. Clearasil, for skin that looks great, even close up. Face to face. What's in this little blue egg that keeps Barbara Eden looking slim and trim? Ooh, there's only one answer to that. It's Legs Control Top Pantyhose. See, Legs slims and trims but doesn't bind. So you get comfort and control. Stretching, bending, standing, setting. There's one pantyhose that's always fitting. Nothing beats a great pair of legs. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail, Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hell-Ming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At WW... You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Hell-Ming... Breaking two? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's flashed <laughs> Legend of all time. It is not a fantasy, Mr. Quatermain. About the greatest treasure known to man. Is about to be pursued by the boldest, most daring hero ever to seek the thrill of adventure. Richard Chamberlain is Alan Quatermain in King Solomon's Mines. Joined by an unlikely soldier of fortune. Surprise! Great reflexes, boys. The stick! Go back on the stick! in the hands of the enemy. I will have only two words to say to you. Talk or die. That's three words. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to scream! <laughs> Following a mythical trail to the forbidden. Impenetrable. Inescapable. King Solomon's Mines. Join Richard Chamberlain and Sharon Stone for the adventure of a lifetime. I've got it! King Solomon's Mines. Folks, there you go. You heard the trailer for uh, King Solomon's Mines from 1985, and let's just talk about this cast for a minute. Uh, you heard <laughs> you heard me say it on the last episode. I wonder who could have played Indiana Jones besides Harrison Ford. Well, I said Richard Chamberlain, and this movie is why that I thought of that. <laughs> so we got Richard <laughs> Chamberlain is playing uh, Alan Quartermain. and we got Sharon Stone in this movie. Which is this her very first movie or? Uh, yeah, I think it is, Rick, because um, the story, it's an interesting story with her, actually, because the Golden Globe was um, said at the time, we want the stone woman for this movie. <laughs> and from Romance in the Stone, so they can't, and then they, they ended up with Sharon Stone. It's like a bit of a mix-up. It's just, it's so crazy. And I think this is the thing with canon movies. It is just a crazy thing. We want the and stone woman. How, yeah, we want the stone woman. And someone's gone, yeah, yeah, okay. And they might have just picked someone in the office who probably had nothing to do with this production and went, go find her. Oh, what, me? Hang on, yeah, go find Stone. Oh, okay. He's <laughs> Sharon, yeah, and he's found Sharon Stone. And then she's in the film. But right. I think this is her first. I think it is her first film. And of course, um, uh, she got awarded all kinds of like Raspberry Awards and stuff because it was like, or the Razzies they call them, you know, for uh, yeah, it's, not a great performance. I, I, I don't think I don't think her and Richard Chamberlain got on on set either, did they? But well, I wonder why. On, on yeah, <laughs> but on screen they got on. They they do a great job. I yeah. mean, I think for the filming, I think Richard Chamberlain's turned up and. 
you can see, I can see it more now when I watch this film today. He's just having a good time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's, because when I watched this, um, I must have watched this when I was about 12 years old on TV, um, TV channel called London Weekend Television. And um, I was completely sold with Indiana Jones. And you've got to look at the films that came out at that time. Mm -hmm. So you had, like, I was watching The Goonies, um, Temple of Doom, Back to the Future. And all of a sudden, Richard Chamberlain turned up. Now, I remember Richard Chamberlain from Tower Inferno. Oh, yeah. Because um, he played he, he's played a bit of a sleazy character, didn't he? He sort of uh -huh. tread on you to try and get out. So at the time, I wasn't really sold with Richard Chamberlain. I thought, who is this guy? <laughs> and even at 12 years old, I thought, what is this film? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> even at 12 years old, I thought this film was bad. But... Um, as I've got older, I love it. <laughs> I totally get it. I think it's just sure. such a fun film, and I get all the gags and the jokes. Yeah. Um, how about yourself, Rick? When did you see this film? Uh, it was definitely in the <clears throat> in the 80s or so, probably on HBO, something like that around this time, uh, probably around 86, maybe 87. Yeah. And, again, it's just obvious what this was, you know. And like you said, even at a young age, you're going, now, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this feels awful yeah. familiar. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think it was a little bit for me. Twelve years old, like you said earlier, with um, Phil Collins and Madonna, yeah. because they brought out so many, so much good stuff. Yeah. Before you even heard a song, they, they you, you were completely sold with it. Yeah. Um, but when I watched this, I was expecting Harrison Ford to turn up, and he didn't <laughs> turn up. And this was when I was twelve years old. So, um, I kind of blanked the film when I was a kid, and I kind of well. Uh, that's a load of rubbish. So I don't want to watch it again. Um, but then I revisited it when I got when I was older, and I totally got it. Yeah, it's and it's, all the bits that I missed. Uh, it's, it's got its own charm. I mean, it really does. Yeah, yeah, it, it works. <laughs> I mean, it's like at the beginning of the film, um, Richard Chamberlain is walking through the jungle, and you think it's quite a dense jungle. And Sharon Stone's going, "Are we going the right way?" <laughs> yes, Miss Houston. We keep going that way. Okay. And you think they're in the middle of nowhere, and he goes through. He just opens up this little bush, and there he is. He's in the town of Tango. It's a huge city. Yeah, it's classic. And obviously, that's at the beginning of the film. So, like I say, when I revisit, I saw that scene, I thought, yes, now I get this film, because it was made to be kind of tongue-in-cheek. Sure. And, yeah, I just I enjoy it. Um, plus, I, um, as I said earlier, Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack oh, yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I got wow. a, I got a sound bite of that in here. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is the story <laughs> that all your adventure films kind of copy. So it's kind of weird that you know Indiana Jones or all your all your Indiana Jones films pulled from the original, you know, King Solomon's Mines and all those stories that were out. So it's funny that now they've taken the original material and turned it into a farce <laughs> to kind of copy yeah. what was popular at the time. So it's just a weird situation. But I think it kind of goes like what it's just like finding the stone woman. It's like, okay, see what adventure stuff we can get the rights to. And there you go. Yes. They got King Solomon. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's do that, but let's make it like Indiana Jones. You know, so that absolutely, yeah, that's and how canon rolls. <laughs> yeah, and that's how they wrote. I mean, I think they. Going back to canon earlier, I think they can be halfway through a movie like this, and yeah. Golden Globus could turn up and say, 
well, actually, can't can't you do this right. and throw throw this in and throw this type of scene in? The director's gone. <laughs> Really? <laughs> what if yeah, Quartermain yeah, yeah, could? What if Quartermain could fly? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What if Quartermain can just uh, chuck himself over these bars like a like an athlete? Yeah. Okay. And I think that is. I think that's how this film has been made. Right. I think it has been incredibly sort of made up as it sort of goes goes along and ad libbed to to a certain point. Got, um, uh, but it works so well. You got some more staples here of of just. Films in general, so Herbert Lom being in here as Colonel Brockner, yep. um, mm-hmm. great role for him, I think. Yeah, and again, he he seems like an unusual actor to be in this type of movie. Um, yeah. When you look at what he's done in the past, I mean, he done a, he he did a great job with the um, Pink Panther yeah. movies. Um, but then I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, these type of actors got on board with this. I think a lot of it's got to do with um, Star Wars. Sure. With Alec Guinness. Yep. Where he's played Obi Wan Kenobi, and it's a bit of an unusual role for him. And yeah. he's telling everybody, "Hey, then, you know, you can uh, these these little cheap movies that you think are gonna be cheap. You never know one of them might break through." And yeah, and I think uh, I mean I don't know. Herbert Long might have just gone. That looks like a fun film. Yeah. I just want to have some fun. I don't know. But then you also had. Um, Freddie Jones in Crow. Yes. Who played like the whole, you know, and I think there was the same sort of thing. I think these 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 actors kind of followed that pattern. Yep. That's kind of what it looks like from from you know from my perspective. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he he plays it great, doesn't he? It's all again, it's all tongue in cheek, isn't it? So yeah. And uh, and another familiar face. I don't know. He may be on a movie movie we just talked about last week, <laughs> mm-hmm. but John Reese Davies. Who actually plays kind of the bad guy in this one? So yeah, um, he, he so, plays it really well, doesn't he? He's yeah. like um, he's like the same character, but yeah. he's like the bad. He's the bad version of Sulla, isn't he? So yeah. I think I'm going to call him Bad Sulla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, and, and and he plays Dugati in this movie. So oh, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, they say it a whole uh, bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Between that and Umbopo, I mean, you get... <laughs> Umbopo, that's yeah. it. Yeah, when I was doing the um, notes for this, I was really struggling with those names. I was like, I can't yeah. get this in my head. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, well, let's, let's, yeah. let's rip through this one. So we'll kick off. Okay. Uh, you, you start off the opening scene. You got a professor sitting here who ends up being Professor Houston, and he's translating to find out, you know, if they can actually find King Solomon's mind. Apparently this guy's been looking for it forever, right? And just like we were just talking about with uh, John Reese Davies, Dagati breaks the door down, and uh, <laughs> oh my door! Exactly, I was going to say I've, I've got that sound bite. So the assistant for Doctor or Professor Houston stands up and tries to leave, and this huge spike rack is hanging up on the ceiling. <laughs> Dagati takes his machete, cuts the rope. And it just swings down and st- goes through this guy, <laughs> and it sticks through the door. And the owner of the place <laughs> yells out, "Oh no, not my door, my door!" <laughs> so don't worry about this guy. Just came in and killed somebody in your store. He's worried about his door. <laughs> and he must have set that trap up before. So you must have known when it does eventually come down, it's yeah. going to go into your door. Well, that's the so thing is like, the yeah. guy that owns the shop, he knows this is up there. He's got to, right? 
<laughs> oh man, yeah. it's yeah. If anyone can, can and can, can't they? With this type of scene, isn't it? You know, you think, oh my awesome. god, and it just sets up the film great as well, doesn't it? Because that's that's kind of like the ignition, right? For this film, isn't it? It's like this is what this film is going to be like all the way through. Yeah. Oh, Jumps man. right out of that. We go right into the Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack, and I have to say, man, you can almost hear. It's almost the same notes as doom do 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 doom do do but it goes oh. I mean, <laughs> oh. So something we wanna do we talked about this earlier and this would be one we need to do or say, but we've got all these similarities or ripoffs, however you wanna say it. So we're going to do kind of a checklist of everything that is pretty much ripped off of Indiana Jones that's in this movie. So let's start for the first thing. we got John Reese davis So every time we do one, this is going to be our check mark. <laughs> <laughs> so we got John Reese davis We've got music that sounds a whole lot like John Williams by jo- Jerry Goldsmith. All right. So we're caught up. <laughs> that sounds great. We're gonna be we're gonna be using that soundbite all the time for this movie. Well, sure, we? it'll be yeah. nonstop. <laughs> and just like you said, I've got it where we walk through the Amazon, and you got Alan Quartermain leading Jesse Houston. So what happens is they take Professor Houston and capture him, and uh, Jesse's trying to find him. And, of course, like we said, Alan Quartermain's kind of a smart aleck at this point. She's like, are we going the right way? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're finding uh, Tangola, right? Is that the name of the place? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Tangola. Tangola. And uh, you got uh, Umbopo that is like Quartermain's right-hand man. He's like his, yeah. his sidekick. And they're going to see Degati because apparently he would know where his dad is well yeah he knows where his dad is he kidnapped him <laughs> yeah hello I think at, this, at this point um alan quartermain isn't involved in finding the mines is he i think he's just there to help yeah. her find her father is that right yeah he's leading her to the city you know yeah that's it and uh the mu- museum of ices or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. hilarious okay right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, uh, the the search now is trying to find Dugati, and of course, Quartermain knows all about these people because apparently he's been there a bunch. He knows that there's, you know, cannibals and all these things. But they're leading through, and wait a minute, we got another similarity here. Dugati is helping somebody in this movie, and who's he helping? That's right, people, the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we fighting in the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Oh, that's right. It was the Germans. <laughs> and this is where we kind of see uh, Colonel Brockner. And uh, they're talking about the German occupation of Africa. So that's kind of his scheme of what's going on here is, you know, they're trying to take over the land. And uh, then when they get into town, when, when Sharon Stone and all them are coming into town, there's this little skinny turban dude. That's his little spy. Wait a minute, a turban spy? Uh, <laughs> and he's. I, I like it when um, Alan Quartermain's walking through the town. And what happens when you go to Tongo? Yeah, someone's trying to sell you a baby Nile crocodile. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like shaking it. You want to buy this? Well, what what do am you, I going to do with a crocodile? What do you expect when you're walking through town and an ostrich just walked through in the middle of traffic? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> 
But this little spy sees what's going on, and he runs and tells the Gotti that she's here. She's here. We've got that sound bite right here. I have seen her. She's coming to the city. Quartermain is with her. Quartermain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, happens a lot as well, doesn't it? Oh, man, he says his name, like, all the time. Chris, you know, how many times do we hear Jones? Wait a minute, it's another similarity. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like everybody knows who Quartermain is. He's another guy with a past, isn't he, for lots of other stuff. Right. But, uh, yeah, so he's infamous, you know, this kind of character. Uh, then we meet the Mukati tribe. And these guys are decked out, man. These are this is a cannibal tribe that sit around with umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, why would a why would a group of cannibals? I mean, I know why, but why would there be a group of cannibals <laughs> sitting in the middle of a town with umbrellas? I mean, are they not just looking at everybody going, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the fact oh, that they would God. allow them there. Hey, you eat people. You, you probably don't need to be in our town. Yeah, you're not really in the right place, guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just another strange thing. So we do yeah. that thing of trying to introduce all these characters and, and just, I don't know, but, you know, just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden it starts turning into another scene out of Indiana Jones, isn't it? Is oh, it yeah. the scene where... You get the separation. Uh, Right? Separation. That's right? It. You get the. There it is. There's RJ's whip. But yeah, I mean, you would do the same exact thing when they went shopping in the in the Indiana Jones movie and they get separated. Well, here's what they use the kids to come up trying to sell him the stuff. So we're eight minutes and 40 seconds in this movie and we're already at the separation. <laughs> so they are not messing around. Uh, and that's the other thing about this film. It's a non stop film, isn't it? It, it really it, is. It really. When, when I think about it now, it really doesn't break, does it, at all? It just really flows yeah. into one set into the other. So, but, like we, you say, instead of using, was it instead of using baskets, what they, they thought, <laughs> no, we need to change this a little bit, yeah. let's put her in a carpet. Yeah, we can't, we can't rip it off totally, so instead of a basket, no. we'll just roll her up in a, in a rug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, guess what? Quartermain starts... He knows what's happened. He sees that, and he, and he he thinks that she's rolled up in the rug. So he stops the wrong guy, and so, so there we go. That's another similarity. Because we're stopping the guy, throwing the rug down, and there's nothing in it. Or there was something in it. What was it? Well, it, it just rolls out, and then Quartermain just comes yeah. in and goes, sorry, 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 wrong, sorry. wrong color. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> what else are you going to say in that awkward situation? And then oh. we get the very short, we had her in her grasp, but we kind of goofed it up, is where Degati's up on this rooftop, and one of the spies has Jesse rolled up in the actual rug that she's in. They bring her up there, and they set her down, and she rolls out and falls off the balcony. <laughs> Straight into an apple cart or something like what, that. What? She's in a cart? Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought that? A horse-drawn vegetable wagon. <laughs> oh, dear. She's fighting the guys on the wagon, right? And then Quarterman's leaping on building tops. <laughs> He's turned into Jim Cotta all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, literally gymnastics here. He's swinging from pole to pole. It's it's almost ridiculous at this point. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it, I noticed that when I watched that. I thought, oh my god, what is going on here with this thing? But again, it works for the tone of the movie, doesn't it? Sure. It's, yeah, it's just it's over the top. But he he jumps from rooftop to rooftop, ends up on the wagon, and Jesse falls out of the back of the wagon. Huh? That never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then she camouflages herself so she won't be seen. You know, so she puts on some some local garb, and uh, this is where she finds the the House of Isis shop, and uh, that's owned by a guy named Kassam, which is the guy that we heard Kassam, uh, the guy that said my door. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's a and, bit uh, of a villainous type character, isn't he? And <laughs> she. Uh, She's asking him about her father. He's trying to sell her stuff, and he puts these restraints on her. They're like they're like really nice jewelry, but they're these restraints. Like he's going to take her as a prisoner or whatever. And while he's doing that, Quartermain just falls through the roof. <laughs> like he knew exactly where to just. Uh, yeah, I think this is it. I'm just going to fall through this roof right here. Yeah, it just it just happens to time it just right. You know, he must have been on the roof. How did he know where she was? Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to stand on this glass and just come straight through. So. <laughs> and uh, oh. so he uh, he falls through the roof and he crashes on the table and Kassam says... Quarter me. My table. My table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He's having a bad day, this guy. And he's yeah, he uh, is. ruined his door. Now he's ruined his table. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so now we've got the part where we're kind of holding Kassam captive and we're trying to get information from him. And I thought this was a funny scene. Uh, here's some of the dialogue from it. Boy, you didn't have a gun pointed at your nose. He says, uh, I'm not going to tell you anything. Well, that's because you've never had a gun held up to your nose before. <laughs> uh, uh, like we said before, I think a lot of this stuff must have been ad-libbed, mustn't it? I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. He, you know, even Richard Chamberlain said, I'll just stick this on his nose, just do it like this. Yeah. Oh, man, it's and then, then we've got, after that, is it the um, bit with the dynamite? Well, you got the mummy oh, ca- casket first. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. That's so it. that's how we kind of know what's happening. So there's a mummy casket sitting over there. A quarter man looks at it, and he goes, this looks like this was just freshly painted. <laughs> because, again, it's a bit like Indiana Jones, isn't it, knowing the weight of some gold with some sand? Yeah, I know what, <laughs> I know what a mummy looks like when it's just been wrapped up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and Quartermain opens it up, and inside is Rupert. That's right. You're asking, uh, who's Rupert? Well, Rupert is the guy that got the spikes that went through him earlier. That nailed him to the yeah. door. And, and they wrapped him up pretty quick as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they stopped the bleeding because, I mean, those were some big holes that went through that dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wrapped him up. And, oh, and, and inside of there is a very small statue. And <laughs> apparently this is uh, something very important, but we'll kind of get to that. But yeah. it's a very small statue. Then Jesse gets the statue and tries to hit Kassam with it. And here's the thing. This is just slapstick, Three Stooges stuff, because she's trying to hit Kassam, but every time she swings, she hits Quartermain instead. 
<laughs> several times. Uh, it's just slapstick, people. Uh, and we got a little sound bite of that. Kind of goes like this. Because oh! I'm going to have to shoot you before she kills me. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's it's just got this humor to it that I don't know, you, you, when you when you watch it you're kind of like, okay, this is just fun. I mean, there there's nothing to take serious about this movie at all. It's just fun. And uh you jump from that, we find out that the statue that she's got is a map. And we got some sound bite on that too. Kind of goes like this. I got a lot of sound bites on this one, folks. This is it, isn't it? This is the map. Yes, yes, but you've ruined it, ruined it. This is a map? Yes. You see, the belly is the plain of Nalog leading to the twin mountain peaks, the breasts of Sheba. I did. <laughs> the, the breast of Sheba. The, the breast of Sheba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. Let's see, uh... We have something that's got some encrypted writing on it, uh, maybe a statue or some sort. We gotta have encryption so we know where to look. That's original. I haven't seen that one before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, they're getting in the wrong spot. <laughs> I'm the big man of the sea. <laughs> and at this point, Kasam um. uh, finds a gun. And he shoots Quartermain's gun out of his hand. <laughs> like it, dude. We haven't seen that before in a movie. Either, <laughs> I mean, it's just Pretty like sure that's somewhere. I mean, this guy looks like. I mean, he can barely run a shop, and he's good enough to shoot a gun out of Quartermain's hand. I don't know. That's man. his uh, speciality: shooting guns out of your hand and wrapping people up as a mummy very quickly, in the space of five minutes. <laughs> and then uh, they, you know, Quartermain and, and Jesse go hide, and then Jesse gets. Quartermain's gun. She reaches out and gets it. And she goes to shoot, and Kasam shoots, and she freaks out and just... I couldn't tell if she just throws the gun <laughs> or if he actually shoots the gun out of her hand, too. That would be too ridiculous if he did it twice in a row. But <laughs> I think she just throws the gun up in the air, and it goes right in Kasam's hand. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Now he's double... Cat, yeah. Now he's double barreling, man. He's just... Pow, 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 shooting around. <laughs> And uh, this is where we get the infamous dynamite scene. I love this scene. Oh, it's <laughs> so funny. I think you see the wick of that dynamite change on every shot. Right. One minute it's like really long. <laughs> and the next minute it's like really short. And <laughs> then it's long again, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, when someone throws a stick of dynamite, what do you do? Well, yeah, you run, you, you run on stuff and try and grab it. Then. <laughs> like, You've got I've 20 got seconds to go find this. <laughs> yeah, well done, mate. You've got it. Brilliant. Fantastic. And it's just like, boom. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, because Quarterman and Jesse are trying to run out of the building, and they run out, but then they get forced back in because Degati shows up. And then yeah. Q and Jesse just fall on the floor. <laughs> and Degati's got Quarterman at gunpoint, ready to shoot, and then you hear, I've got it. So Kasum find the explosive, and then boom, whole place blows up. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And then it doesn't it doesn't stop there, does it, with the TNT, does it? Because um, no. Quartermain is captured, isn't he? It and happens. I love this bit where he goes, do you mind if I have a cigar? Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's lighting up another like, TNT, isn't it? And it's the same thing again. It's like, 
He's got a short wick on there at that time, but this bit yeah. of TNT seems to go on forever, doesn't it? Exactly. Because <laughs> he does light it like it's a little cigar or whatever, and it's just yeah, in his mouth, it. and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> and, and bearing in mind, it's like, is, isn't it the German army that's captured him? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what's going on? They, 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 you can't, know, have ever seen, they he, can't have ever seen a stick of dynamite in training now, can they? You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely a cigar, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is as soon as the explosion happens, it really just kind of cuts to Quartermain spying into a room where they're, you know, Degati and all these people who were just in this big explosion are questioning, you know, Professor Houston. And you're like, they don't have no dust on them or... <laughs> no, not so. No, that's it. Yeah. But that's, uh, it. that's where the German uh, soldier comes up and stops the Quartermain and makes him walk. He lights the cigar. And uh, we get another uh, I found it scene, or I got it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool to me this time, isn't it? I've got it. Yeah, let's see here. I've got I've got another bite here. Uh... Your refusal to talk, your impertinent stubbornness is delaying us. But tomorrow we take the train for the German camp in Barumba, and there I will have only two words to say to you. Talk or die. That's three words. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. I mean, that's that's the kind of dialogue you have going on here. And this Two is just words, one sample. Three words. It's that way in the whole movie. I mean, it's just kind of corny one-liner stuff, you know. So Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, um, the more I watch this film, the more you think we're only sort of, what, 10 minutes into the film, and there's a lot packed yeah. in there, isn't there? Yeah. In that one little bit. And... Not only is a lot packed in, there's a lot of uh, rip-off stuff oh, yeah. from other movies, isn't there? All condensed into that one bit. And everything is tongue-in-cheek as well, isn't it? With, even with the dialogue, everything. But right. And then Everybody you get, looks like they're having a ball. <laughs> you get... Uh, Quartermain takes the, the cigar, dynamite, whatever, and throws it in the truck. And everybody gets out of the truck and runs. So they steal the truck. So you got Jesse and Quartermain and Mbopo riding off in his truck. And there you get those strange uh, stopping and freeing the slaves thing that's just kind of in there, which is fine, but they just kind of make a, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you see them when they drive into town, and me just, hey, why not? Let's free the slaves over going through. So, okay, fine. <laughs> and then the, the other thing we get as well is when we're in the car, I think the um, film speeds up, doesn't it? Yeah, About it does. times free, doesn't it? As they're driving along, it's just going zoom. Yep. It's just flown by. And this is where they get the uh, where she's like, "What's this back here?" And he see, she sees the dynamite. He's like, "Oh, don't worry, it's a dummy." And he tosses it, and it blows up. So they go, "Uh oh, wah wah wah," kind of thing. Yeah, but you sort you sort of wonder what his motive was to start with, because if he thought he was a dummy, then when he was being captured, it was like, "Well, I knew he was a dummy in the first place, so what was he going to do with it?" <laughs> I guess I'm looking into that too much. That point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't try so hard. But during no, no, no. during the stealing of the truck, we stopped for some dialogue, which I found pretty humorous as well. We got a piece of that right here. Oh, what did I know about the great white African hunter? I mean, you could have stolen my map, slit my throat, and buried me under a maple tree. Hell, I could still do all that. Bobo, hop in. I just, I like that. Yeah. It's not off the table. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we get to the um, uh, this is another Indiana Jones moment isn't it the train what we get to the train now, then. 
So yeah, they're trying it's, to get on the train to save her father, who's, who's been kidnapped. And they take their little jeep and put it on the tracks and think when they see that they'll slow down, they'll stop. We can get on the train, and well, guess what? They don't stop. That's, that's <laughs> definitely going to stop the train, isn't it? I mean, Cormac's got his plan. That's definitely going to stop. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, and we'll 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 get to it here in a little bit because mm. there's something just as opposite ridiculous that does happen. <laughs> Uh, so the train doesn't stop, so they jump on board, and then we get the scene where Quartermain is crawling under the train, kind of like under the truck in the other movie. So instead of being the truck, they'll steal the truck, and they'll get on the train and crawl under the train. Yeah, and I noticed this. With the, he comes across some opposition here, doesn't he, with another German soldier? <laughs> yeah. And he's crawling under the train. And he's having a fight, and his head's getting put out, isn't it? And he's got trying to sort of miss the boulders and all that. Yeah. He, then he's got this... It, it's almost like a lever, isn't it? That serves <laughs> no purpose in the train whatsoever. And he pulls it, and there's like a load of steam that comes out of it. But it's, it's, yeah. it's almost as if... It should have something written on there. If you're having a fight with someone under the train, pull this lever. <laughs> if you're in a deadly fight, this might yeah. help. <laughs> yeah. Pull this lever, but then you might get a $10 charge or something like that if you do it. Yeah, it's very, very, oh. uh, very Looney Tunes kind of Yeah, but it's, it's not Indiana Jones at all. I haven't seen that anywhere else in another movie. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, <laughs> coming out of that... Uh, this is where Jesse walks through the soldiers up top, you know, because, you know, they're like, aha, yeah, all yeah. right. Starts flirting with them and all that, doesn't she? And then, uh, God, <laughs> Quartermain, uh, <laughs> this is one of my favorite absolutely. Of the movie coming up. This is just pure, this really makes a statement to say this is what this film's all about. And it's just so funny. Run with it, man. You're on it. <laughs> Well, he gets out from under the train, doesn't he? He opens the door up, and he's got just got a barrage of guns going in his face, and he's like pointing his gun. He goes, "Whoa, oh, Alvina's saying this like that." He goes, "You're doing really well, guys. That's that's a really good reaction, isn't it?" And he puts his gun away, and he's got like a there's like a horn or a voo sailor or something like that. He's like, yeah, Camp Town <laughs> races. Yeah, is, and, and the thing is, is the horn that he's playing. It looks yeah. it looks like a trumpet, but it really just has a kazoo on the end of it. So he's just going. Come on, I actually have that sound by here. Let's listen uh. to this. Flexes, boys. Yeah, I'm proud of you guys. Well, <laughs> hey, may I? Let's have some fun! through the cart there where all the all the soldiers are you know the stepping over people and he's playing this little yeah. horn and it, it is 
And no, no, no one at that point is thinking this guy's an intruder on the plane. We've never seen this bloke before. You know what I mean? No one's right. sort of reacting to him, are they? So they all go, yeah, yeah, he's right. Just a bloke with a horn going through. That happens all the time, doesn't it, on this train? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, What else we got there, Rick? What happens after well, this? Well, we, we cut to where they're starting to torture <laughs> Dr. Houston, and the guy's got, like, oh, the yeah. cat of nine tails or whatever he's whipping the guy with, and he keeps <laughs> he keeps breaking them. Yeah. And, uh, but he's he's got Jesse, uh, Quartermain and Jesse are up top looking through the window, seeing her dad being tortured. And so we don't stop the train for a, a vehicle that's, across the road or across the tracks but we do hit the brakes for elephants oh yeah that's it yeah <laughs> and when they hit the brakes Jesse falls through the window and goes right down on the floor where they're where they're torturing her dad yeah that's how this movie rolls people we need an excuse for her to fall down in there what can it be An elephant <laughs> okay <laughs> What, what else are you gonna do in that situation? Yeah, that's it. They are. And then you Brilliant. get uh, they they see Quartermain's up top, so they start shooting through the ceiling with the gun, and <laughs> Quartermain's like jumping, dodging bullets, like he's dancing up there. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. That's where it kind of gets a bit yeah comical, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure there's a bit of a sound. There's a theme song or something, isn't there? Where he's jumping yeah. about. Yeah, he's jumping around, and he's it's kind of going with the music. And then it's when you get the big dude with the sledgehammer. That <laughs> comes in. Yeah, because we've never seen that before either, have we, Rick? Anywhere else in another movie? <laughs> big, big guy for confronting the hero of the movie. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> and then uh, at this point, he kind of knocks uh, Quartermain off one of the ledges, and he goes down, and he he goes under the train, lands on the ground. Train is going over, and he <laughs> latches onto the back of the train. <laughs> Uh, he's being drugged <laughs> behind the train. Uh, <laughs> and then he puts his shoes on the rail track, doesn't he? And he's, he's, <laughs> he's, like, he's like surfing on the tracks. <laughs> and there's even one point there where he tries to like lock his feet in like he's trying to stop the train. You're like, yeah, that's not yeah. going to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then, here's the thing about it. And you can obviously see it, but when he's dr- being drugged behind, I mean, he's like his belly's on the ground. He's being drugged. You yeah. know that those railroad tracks—that's just rocks, <laughs> rocks and and big, huge, you know, cypress or not cypress, but just great big boards. I mean, just big chunks of wood that's supporting this yeah. thing. And, and the other got- thing you got here as well, you got the uh, screen. You can see that's a screen behind oh, yeah. him as well, can't you? When he's like. Yeah. Uh, but he would be torn is... all to pieces being drug <laughs> oh, God, in between yeah, railroad you're... tracks. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, isn't it? I mean, he gets up from that, and his all his clothing is that exactly the same as it was before, <laughs> isn't it? It's, it's almost as if he's had a bit of a costume change oh, through, through the movie, isn't it? And you can tell when they're oh. doing that scene where they're dragging him. You can tell that's a flat surface that he's on. It's just yeah. been painted. Yeah. It's just hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, rail skiing. <laughs> I've got it. And then out of the name, okay, we need something to change the system here. What what can we do? Oh, how about we have the Africans attack the, the German train? That might that might <laughs> slow things down a little bit. That scene, there's a lot of extras in that film, in that part of the movie, yeah. isn't there? Everybody just seems to come out of nowhere, don't they? Got rocket launchers and, and all kinds of stuff. It's almost as if it's an attack that's got no purpose as well, isn't it? It's a bit like what you said earlier. Yeah. It's, it's a bit like what you said earlier with a train uh, 
stopping with the elephants. It's almost like the director's kind of just scratching his head, thinking, yeah. what else can we do with this? Right. I oh, know, we're just having an attack with a load of marauders coming in on the train. It, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like they had a half a script, and they're just making up the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think there's... They're just making it up as they go along. Yeah. Man. And so now we cut back to uh, Professor Houston, who's being tortured, and his daughter's out there with him. And, and we get this slice of gold. You know... I find you most attractive. Yes, mine. I wasn't talking to you! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, this uh, this German torture guy is, uh, <laughs> finds a professor attractive. So, you know, kind of a funny, funny gag there. And then dude just <laughs> dropped trousers right there, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. It's a funny way of expressing his feelings, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah, I don't know if they'll come across with this the right way, but hey. <laughs> and and then, of course uh, we haven't seen a scene like that before, have we, in another movie? Have we, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Q, uh, Q uh, Quartermain, I, I've, got, I've got him as Q on my notes, so I don't have to write Quartermain every time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so Quartermain is underneath the caboose or whatever you know train cart this is and can see... Up through the cracks, this dude with his pants down, and he just pulls out the old double barrel, and, and uh, you get a heck of a crotch shot here. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Not only that, he, he goes flying through the air on this one, doesn't he? It right. just projects him. Yeah, just oh, up to man. the ceiling, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's man. almost like it's almost cartoonish in a way, isn't it? It's a bit like Tom and Jerry, isn't it? When he's yeah, like, oh yeah, shot the, the gun shoots and boom carriage just goes flying for miles very true so from here you got where uh because they got rid of that guy and everybody's panicking because the the africans are attacking the the, the rest of the train uh quarterman and them unhitch the caboose and uh we get another i've got it because <laughs> uh Degatti and and uh, the the german leader comes up on the back of the <laughs> The back on the on the train has been disconnected, and Quartermain just launches another piece of dynamite at him. Because <laughs> I don't know where he's getting all this dynamite from either. He's just, you know, he just seems to have a ton load of it. Yeah, he's just carrying it around everywhere. Uh, at this point, the Germans know all the info because I guess they got it from him when they had him captured, even though they didn't really have the statue. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I this guess this movie though, Rick, is so there's so much in it, isn't there? You kind of like thinking, where is all this stuff coming from? You know, just right. chucking so much into it. Oh, I can tell you exactly where it's coming from. Cause get ready, we're about to have a whole bunch of whip sounds. So uh, <laughs> somehow, Quartermain and Jesse end up at a German camp. And we're gonna. It's got an aeroplane on it. As we're well. gonna steal a plane. <laughs> uh, which I have to admit, they get a like a, a motorcycle with a side card on it that comes and tries to stop them, and that's a pretty good wreck. There, a really good explosion that happens. Yeah, because the other thing here is is with this film, the set pieces as well are really good, aren't they? You know, yeah. With for a film that for, for I what think it has is. only got a small budget, yeah, the sets are pretty good in this movie. Yeah, not too bad at all. Uh, so with that, uh, you guys, <laughs> uh, 
uh, Quartermain catches up. He's he's running around. She's in the plane and she doesn't know how to fly it, and it's just kind of going all over the place. Quartermain catches up, hit, hitches onto the wing, and finally she figures out how to make the thing fly, which is yeah. I've got something written on my notes here. It's called red button. Hit the red button. Hit the red button. <laughs> it just makes the plane work a bit better. It always speeds up a lot more. Yeah, just hit the red, <laughs> hit button. The red okay. button. Right, fine. <laughs> and then we get the uh, the enemy plane that uh, comes along, and uh, they play a big game of chicken. <laughs> yeah, and I was trying to think of who this uh, pilot reminded me of. Do you know what I mean? He just he seemed like a character yeah. from some from something. You know, I agree. Very very. Like 1940s uh, comedian actor or something. Yeah. Oh, you want to play a game of chicken? Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, I was trying to think. It did remind me of someone from. Um, I don't know. Almost like. Uh, do you remember the old TV show called? Char- was it Charlie Chan or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like a sort of old sleuth. Yeah. He spoke like that. Yeah. It's almost like him in a plane. But this is a. Yeah. But it's a German dude. So it's like again. It's just like. Uh, <laughs> don't make any sense. <laughs> Uh, But you know what really doesn't make any sense? Is they're playing the game of chicken, and he's the one thinking they're not going to give up, or he's not going to give up, they will. And, of course, they don't even know how to fly the thing, so he ends up pulling away, doesn't know where they go. (laughs) And this is where Quartermain is hanging off the plane, and he he kicks the pilot in the head on the other plane. I mean, to start with, Jesse, he's probably never flown a plane in her life. And then he's hanging on to his plane, and it's like, and then he kicks, like you say, he kicks this guy in the head, and it's like, what the hell? <laughs> and needless to say, uh, the, the enemy plane crashes and burns, and but he did some damage to their plane, too. And, yeah. uh, but at the same time, you see the Germans, well, you see Degati and all the Germans making their track, trying to find... Uh, the King Solomon's mines, and uh, Quartermain them buzzes them with the plane. They start flying real low, and uh, <laughs> and then just out of nowhere, Jesse Sharon Stone says, "Hey, what are these?" <laughs> <laughs> they start dropping bombs. Start on dropping them. bombs on yeah. them, and then everybody runs away. And of course, the Germans like, "I told them they don't need to run." And then they all come running back because there's an elephant charge coming. That's it. They were an elephant stampede. Yeah. Didn't they? They're like, see, I told you they would come back, and it's the elephant charge. It's just ridiculous. Uh, uh, Go ahead. And then what we got now is it the uh, cooking pot scene? Well, we got the plane's got a crash, so you know the plane's got some damage to it, and uh, and the crash is right at the Twin Peaks, like we said, the the breast of Sheba. So how convenient. Uh, he's well. He actually he says, "Well, if we could have put, crashed over there, we'd been a whole lot closer, or something like that." So, or she says that. Uh, but yeah, they uh, in the process of walking to the Breast of Sheba, they run into that cannibal tribe again. Yeah, that always makes me laugh as well because uh, this is a bit like the bit at the beginning when they're walking through the jungle, and the jungle's yeah. so dense, and then he sort of goes, opens a bush up, and he's in Tangola. Yeah, and this is like part two of that where they're doing. You can see for miles and miles and miles. <laughs> and then there's there's one guy just stood on top of the hill, isn't there? And they're a bit curious about him going, oh, is he an enemy or is he going to help us out? And they walk towards and he, he gets a spear out. And then the next thing you know, there's like 
thousands of people coming from <laughs> both sides, isn't it? Where did these people come from? <laughs> it's, oh, such a funny scene. Yeah, it's it's just the just the ridiculousness of it. They don't have time for you to follow them on a track and all that stuff. We just got to go from one scene right to the next. And uh, being they do that, they get there, and you kind of heard the line from the very beginning of the movie. They're having us for dinner. Uh, hmm. So they basically make them walk up this big platform, and there's a huge cooking pot there. <laughs> and they, they dump them <laughs> off in there, and, you know, you got your typical Bugs Bunny stuff where there's, like, carrots and cabbage and all these things in the water <laughs> yeah. floating around. Fruit oh, just floats out there, doesn't it? Or <laughs> <laughs> vegetables, fruit. So, oh, uh, so we're in a situation where they can't hardly figure out how to get out. So it's just like uh, when... Uh, they're in the uh, the well of souls. So the cooking pot is the well of souls in this movie. <laughs> oh, I actually never saw it. Actually, yeah, that's a good. That's yeah, because remember she's like, "Oh, how are you going to get us out of here?" You said through that wall. Well, here it's like, "What are we going to do? Rock the pot." <laughs> oh, uh, that's that's even better, isn't it, from the uh, director's or producer's point of view? Is it? How, how can we make this scene different? Oh no, we just get a big cooking pot. <laughs> like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> Which is an interesting question because do cannibals really want to cook people and eat them, or do they just want to eat them as is? Oh, I don't think they really do, and it's—I don't think they'd spice them up and put some herbs in and I get mean, it all tasting right with them. I mean, that's just straight up Bugs Bunny stuff, man. That's yeah. all it is. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, they start rocking the pot back and forth, and all of a sudden, uh, you, you know, it it. Uh, Gets off kilter because it's full of water and they're swishing it back yeah. and forth, and you got all the cannibals sitting there just chanting, "Yeah, we get to eat." And I'm like, man, there's like 400 people here, and you're excited about two <laughs> yeah. people. Y'all not and gonna get much. Yeah, all these people, they're all looking at it, and no one's noticing that 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 pot is rocking right. from side to side with water coming out and filling out the flames. Well, everybody is no so ex- they're all excited about that one piece of beef jerky they're gonna get. <laughs> You know, so they're rocking the pot back and forth, and then it, oh, it falls dude. out, puts the, the yeah. flames out, and then it starts rolling down a hill. And you can tell this right here, man. It's not even the same pot, <laughs> not even the same I mean, shape, nothing. That's got, I mean, it's it's not just rolling, is it? I mean, it's rolling about five hundred miles an hour, yeah. isn't it? Thinking you just die. <laughs> I mean, they show them inside of it, and they're going like real slow. But then they show this thing rolling, and it's it's like a dang bowling ball, man. This thing is just going. Yeah, and that's the other thing, Rick. Is is this the part of the ball? From the beginning of Indiana Jones that they're just trying to chuck in the movie. Oh, we've got to have a rolling ball in this hey, movie. Let's, 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 let's take it. Yeah, it sounds good to it. me. Uh, so that's oh. their escape from, from the cannibals. And who shows up at the cannibal camp next? That's right. The Germans. Bad side. <laughs> oh. So uh, and then um, this this is a bit that makes me laugh though because the cooking pot stops, doesn't it? Yeah. And then Sharon Stone, right? Okay, you think about this. Okay, she's Alan Quatermain has got her to this place, and they've been through all this in the space of it's got to be about an hour, isn't it? In real, mm-hmm. in real time. Um, so they've been dynamite. They've been on a train. Um, they've been on a plane that's crashed, and then they've been in a cooking pot, right? <laughs> And then the cooking pot stops. And at this point, Sharon Stone's gone, I really love you. <laughs> she, starts getting bit, she starts getting a bit romantic with Alan Gorman going, oh, I love this guy. 
Uh, I want to go on more adventures with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not that I've only been killed about five times this morning. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so while the Germans are dealing with the cannibals, then we get to meet the tree people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about this, Rick, really, to be honest with you. I just, I, I, it's, 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 it's just canon, man. I mean, we need we need something to... Lighten the mood. We need something different here. Let's throw some tree people in here. So, no, when I say tree people, I don't mean like trees that look like people. I don't mean people that really necessarily live in, well, I guess they do live in trees. Yeah. But they basically just hang upside down. And there's, and they hang from these vines by their feet and just, well, I guess you could say they just hang around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there's a bit of mythology there, isn't it? Because cause Alan Quartermain says that he knows about these people and he says that they hang upside down because they don't like the world when it's when you're standing upright. Right. And I think that's the mythology of it all. But yeah, that's pretty it's, lame. <laughs> they could have just, yeah, bu- just been a just been a bunch of Amish, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, it's this is another example of canon greatness, isn't it? Yeah. Oh this yeah. Is, this is their thinking of um, making films like this, but oh man, yeah, so, it's great. You know, you're you're looking at a whole bunch of tree people who really don't wear much clothes, and but they're taking Sharon Stone's clothes and they're taking them off of her and washing them, <laughs> even though she just came out of a pot that was filled with water. I'm yeah, just saying. <laughs> Um, But while they're washing the clothes And you see this whole process of being taken away And washed and brought back and given back to her And then out of nowhere They bring her a tiara A tiara Mm. to wear And it's just like, okay And this is just a sign of You're close to the mines Is basically what it is So it's almost like they're giving them passageway Hey, you guys look good to us Here's something that will signify You know you're you're okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's probably a good way to explain that. So it's like yeah. allowing them passage, isn't it? Yeah, in a way. And because uh, right behind them, the Germans have, you know, shot a bunch of the cannibals, and they're making their way the same way. Then all of a sudden, you got the tree people just beating up a bunch of Germans, man. <laughs> they just swoop yeah, down, that- swoop down, grab one, take him up in the air, and just drop him like you would, you know, like a seagull drops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you've, you've got a, you've got a uh, line here which really made me laugh here with this. It was um, Sulla. He's with one of the German soldiers, and the German soldier shoots somebody, and then Sulla goes, that was a good shot, but he was on our side. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, that's it's right. That's good. Mate. Yeah, good shot, but he's on our side. He's like, what? It's like, oh, dear. So these, like, German soldiers are almost like stormtroopers, aren't they, where they can't Very sort of much. shoot? Yeah. yeah. And then you got, uh, at this point, the tree people are now transporting Quartermain and Jesse further, you know, past the tree line of where they live, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And uh, as soon as they get there, they walk up, and then this statue pops up out of the ground. You know, we haven't had statues that just kind of scare people anywhere. Um, and in- <laughs> instantly, instantly, when this statue pops up, here's another tribe. I'm like, do they just hang out and watch the people in the trees? And, you know, there's just like a border here. Or... It's just so odd. Yeah, because um, I thought at this point in the movie they were going to get rolled in onto actual mines. Yeah. But then you've got another, you've got another 
great set, set piece. Great. Which I said, oh, you think, wow. Yeah. You know, when you, when you think about it, I said, for a film that's got a small budget, I think, actually, I need to check out the budget for this film. But you think, where do they get all the money to do all this? Yeah. And, uh, and then you've got old Alan Quartermain, haven't you? He's uh, hung upside down, getting fed to the uh, crocodiles. Yeah, man. They got, of course, this is a huge tribe. That, like I said, they're very more decorative. I mean, these guys, they're, they're dressed up. they got some cool outfits going on. Yeah. And they got this scary lady leader, man, which is just, I mean, she's terrifying. And yeah. it's almost like if you took Tina Turner and took a bunch of, I don't know, like, it's like if you took Tina Turner and you put her in a glad, uh, like a, a garbage sack, a plastic garbage sack, and set it on fire and it melted and stuck to her. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what she looked like. Oh, dear. Oh, it might have been even Tina Turner. Don't <laughs> <laughs> we don't oh, need dear. another garbage bag. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, oh, brilliant. So at this point, uh, you get the witch doctor that pops out, right? I guess that, I'm just assuming that's what he is. Mm. And uh, he takes the tear off of uh, Jesse's head and gives it to the scary woman. And like you said, you know, you're not for sure what this tribe is going to do. You can't tell if they're celebrating with them, if they're happy with them, if they're unhappy with them. But then it becomes pretty clear because Jesse looks up in the air and <laughs> Quartermain is like, I don't know. 40 or 50 feet in the air, hung upside down by his feet over an alligator pit or a crocodile yeah, pit. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's almost like the old uh, comic books, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Scene. yeah. It is proper, like, 19, probably 40s adventure comic books in those times, wouldn't it? You can just sort of see scenes like this happening. But it's it, actually a really good scene, actually. It I is. I quite like it. It's done yeah. pretty well. And mm. but, but here's the thing, and this is just me, uh, and maybe the alligator's can't get out or the crocodiles can't get out from where they are but they are way closer the crocodiles are way closer to the tribe people that are around there than they are a quarter main who's 40 feet in the air <laughs> so the alligators look all excited that this guy's going to be dropped down but they could just run over here and eat about 20 people so I just i never i never really noticed that before yeah, yeah. that's a good point actually kind of weird <laughs> It's another one of those moments in this film, isn't it, with these short views on the dynamite, isn't it? You kind yeah. of these scenes. Yeah. So, so how do you save Quartermain at this point? Well, can he do it himself? Mm, he probably could, but we don't get the opportunity to see that because out of nowhere, somebody we lost a long time ago, Umbopo, shows up. <laughs> isn't he the? Um, isn't he the leader of this tribe? Well, that's the I thing. Really got... yeah, but, but you yeah. just you find that out right here. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, I was watching this film and I was taking notes and I had to keep, I, I had to think to myself, is he, is he part of this tribe? Because yeah. I was going to say, I thought we'd cover that when we get to this point, but he is, isn't he? So well, he's, he's been keeping something back from court, mate, he, isn't he? He shows, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, here's the thing is, he knew where the mines were the whole time. <laughs> I mean, he's in this tribe that's right next door to the mines. Um, so, now is this? Have we, as a, almost like we've found something here with this movie? Is it? Is this proof that the directors kind of do make it up as they go along? Where they've gone? Should we just make Umboma part of this tribe at this point right. in the movie? And they go, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah. Well, how can and you do that? On about what's happening first. <laughs> I love how they do it too, because yeah, he just walks in yeah. and says, "I am the rightful leader of this tribe," and he lifts up his shirt and shows a scar, and I'm like. Everybody's yeah. like, okay, I buy it. 
Yeah, I'll be just saying, yeah, thanks, nope. mate, but you can't tell me that earlier, can you? And nobody, nobody asked, uh, who are you related to? I mean, was your folks no. our past leader? or No, man, just look, yeah. at this, look at this scar. Oh, okay, yeah, that's good. Looks good to me. <laughs> Oh man! So, but the, the other thing, have you? I don't know. Really, the bit when um, Quatermain gets out from the crocodile pit. Yeah. I, this is another bit I looked at when I, I kept on rewinding. You don't actually see him how he gets out of that, do you? No, I don't no. Have you noticed no. that? It no. just sort of happens. But I, was, I kept rewinding it, thinking yeah, he's kind of moved the rope a little bit and it's cut. I don't know where he's got the knife off from to cut it, and he's just sort of sprung. Well, Back onto land, it's yeah, all worked he's, out. He's kind of getting loose, but you never see how he actually makes it out. And because, no, because, you don't see it. Because we're watching Umbopo fight the witch doctor, who says, uh-uh, yeah. just, I mean, I want to be the leader of this thing. And, uh, yeah, then we we throw we throw that dude in, in the pit, you know? So, yeah, alligators still get to eat. Cormain <laughs> just goes flying through the air. He, he gets, like, catapulted somehow, and he just lands on his feet, and it's like, yep, yeah, got out of that situation. I think... How do you do that? And again, to show you just the speed at how canon films move, Umbopo mm. says, I'm the rightful heir to this throne of the tribe. And he lifts up his shirt. And like as soon as he does that, there's an explosion. And the Germans are there. <laughs> I was just like, wow. <laughs> no time for people to react to it and say, yeah, good. All right. No, just boom. Here we go. Uh, you kind of missed your moment now. <laughs> Man, if you could have been here 15 minutes earlier. <laughs> oh, I'm, la- I'm laughing here too much, Rick. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to get to the end of this uh, review without me laughing. It's just... Oh, man. So, so yeah. what do we get up to next? Um, well, the German, that's, that's the German showing up, and they start dealing with the tribe. And then we got the race to the mines that's going on. Uh, everybody is trying to, you know, get to the mines now at this point. And mm. what's weird is... This tribe is really tied into the mines, man. I mean, mm. you so you've got, you know, a, a, a pit you got to deal with. You got all these traps <laughs> that are going on. So, you know, a few of those. <laughs> something like that. I lost count. Uh, Rick, can I just quickly mention something? I don't know if I've gone too far with my notes here, but um, what more do you need in, with the Germans with a guy with a gramophone on his back? <laughs> It's Good. almost like a, a World War One Walkman, isn't it? Right. <laughs> it's portable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Playing. Oh, do, 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 do. Everywhere he goes. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, dude. Yeah, it just adds to it, man. It just. Oh, again. It's, another, it's another piece of gold for this film, yeah. isn't it? That little bit there. So. So we got Porter Main trying to make it to the mines. We got our crazy Tina Turner melted plastic woman has taken Jesse to the mines on her own. Yeah. You got the Germans and, and Degati trying to get to the mines. So everybody's running to the mines at this point. Hmm. <laughs> and this leads us up to the German quicksand scene. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's it. Oh, and doesn't man. the uh, grammar, the gramophone dude doesn't he, he doesn't work out too well for him there, does it? Yeah. <laughs> you start hearing the flight of the Valkyries going do 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 do, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you got all these Germans that are stuck in this in this quicksand, and 
You know, the guy's got the right idea, man. He just shoots them all so they'll stop flopping around, and then he just uses them as stepping stones. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. Yeah. He's, he's stepping on their heads, isn't it? Right. And they're right at the opening oh, of the mines, dude. and then Bachner just shoots Degati. So he's used him to get there. Now he shoots Degati. Degati, you know, is, is dead at this point. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, then a bit of a double cross. inside the mines, we got Tina Turner is going to place a, a lava mask on Jesse. Mm-hmm. And then where, where, where does this make sense? <laughs> what does this accomplish? I'm trying to yeah, figure I, out. Was there a significant? It's not like you know. I tell you what it is, and this is here we go. Because you got to remember, we've already had uh, Temple of Doom out at this point, mm-hmm. so we have to have a scene where we're using some kind of molten lava, you know, pulling the dude's heart out, some kind of ceremonial thing. Yeah, exactly. So there, that's right. Yeah, I did think it. put that down on my notes. Uh, Temple of Doom, and just one other thing here, Rick. Was it um, Bad Salah? That gets shot seven times. He or, gets, is that is that right? He is shoots it him in front of it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we'll get on to that. In a yeah, yes, we um, will. Know, you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but, yeah. But the fact <laughs> that she's that they're holding Jesse here and they've got these guys pulling out this iron mask basically out of the fire, and it basically just covers your whole upper body, and they're going to place yeah. it on her head. And I still just I would love an explanation. You know. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I just think there's some things in this film you just can't explain, isn't it? Right. You just watch it and you wind it back and you go, I just can't get that. But, right. oh, well, you know, it's it's only quarter made, isn't it? <laughs> well, and matter of fact, he shows up, Mbopo walks in, knocks the yeah. guys into the lava instead. We didn't see that before. I've never seen there. that before, no. Right. Yeah. Um, and then saves Jesse, then the three of them go further in the mine, and this is where they find all the frozen women. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> That's right, folks. Oh. We've gone from lava, which is, you know, thousands and thousands of degrees hot, to, hey, this one been frozen in ice over here. Yeah. It's in the same mine. <laughs> is it Queen, Queen of Sheba in the ice? Yeah. Is, is that what it was? Yeah, I think that was... And ironically, yeah. all these famous ladies of the time or whatever is being involved here, they all look Almost like... Awesome. Look like look like Sharon Stone. Yeah. Yeah. So. Amazonian women or something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is where we get the uh, the scene where they did not spend any money, and that's where the German finds the big spider. Yeah, I did put that down in my notes. I put down uh, spider slow death scene. And I was I was thinking, you know, for a spider, it's the slowest moving spider you've ever seen in your life, isn't it? You it's, know? it's the only slow part of the movie. Yeah. And, and it's the only spider in the world that makes a web out of cotton wool, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my notes, I've literally, it says Germans slash big spider slash not good. Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, they really have just gone, I'll just chuck a spider into this movie. I'm sure a lot of people went, really? No, nah, yeah, just go and do it. Put it in there. Okay. <laughs> uh, so coming out of this, uh, it cuts back to Quartermain and Jesse, and they actually find the treasure at this point. Yeah. And, and I have to admit, I'm a little disappointed because there's not a whole lot of stuff in there. <laughs> No, it's, um, there's not a lot of stuff in there, and it's almost like there's a sign outside the cave saying, this is where the treasure is, with a big sort of pointy <laughs> hand, you know? <laughs> it's, you know, 
for all what they've gone through, it's not really, it's not very well guarded or anything yeah. like that, is it? And you can't really rely on Spider, can you? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think about, you know, I think about uh, uh, the Hobbit story with Smog, and mm. you know, he's on the big, the big thing. It's all the gold and stuff. And I'm like, man, that's. That's probably what Quartermain's or uh, King Solomon's mines look like. But no, man, yeah. it's like two or three tre- chests laying here, and they're open, and you see some pearl necklaces and stuff. It's just like, really? <laughs> this is the wealthiest yeah, this... man ever on the planet, you know? <laughs> oh, dear. You're almost expecting the coins to be made out of chocolate or something. But while they're in there... Uh, at this point, uh, Bachner is the only one left uh, that's coming from the team, and he's coming after them. And then uh, all of a sudden, Tina Turner shows up again and uh, pretty much hits a button. <laughs> and it locks, yeah. uh, locks Quartermate and Jesse in the mind. I mean, literally, it's like, it's almost like you said, it almost has a sign there that says, to, uh, to trap people, push here. Push <laughs> here, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It's so strange. It's so, like one of those sort of uh, kids' jungle adventure rooms, isn't it? You see it running about, yeah. Press this button and they get you to the gold. You've made it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we get another run of some stuff here. So we get uh, mm. Quartermate and Jesse's in the room. Then all of a sudden, the ceiling starts coming down. Yeah. With spikes with uh, spikes coming out. With oh, spikes coming out? No, mm. absolutely not. Uh, so they start using things to try to prop it so it don't come all the way down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it gets that solid bit of stone, and he goes, "Oh, that'll work." Yeah. And it just goes crunch. <laughs> and when it, it gets down so low, and they actually did it, they finally got it to where it would stop. Then all of a sudden, it starts filling up with water. So, hey, yeah. if we didn't crush yeah. you to death, <laughs> and this is the part of the movie where. This is the most optimistic you've ever, you're ever going to see Adam Quartermain, aren't you? Because it's like you're thinking the, the ceiling's come down, they're trapped, and not only that, water's coming in, and he's up to his neck, and he's just like going, it's okay, it's all right, it's all right, we've got plenty of air, it's only water. So you're thinking, <laughs> it's only water. <laughs> you're going to be able, it's all right, it's all right. And then all of a sudden, it's like a snake, <laughs> it drops down in front of him, and he's going to shout, so, it's all right. Snake, just a snake. snake. <laughs> <laughs> and then just to stop, you know, stop it off. He's like, there's a crocodile. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> you think you're in the worst situation possible. He's like, yeah, no, it's fine. We'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. And then right when it's, it's filling up and about to choke him out, there's another explosion that washes him out. Did you have yeah. any explanation of why we have an explosion? I- yeah, this was the same as Quartermain getting out from the, uh, you know, being hung upside down with the crocodile pit. Yeah. You just don't, there is no explanation here, is there? It's just, there's an explosion. I don't know where it comes from. And next thing you know, they're just, they're just washing out, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah. I was just, no, I, 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 no, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. But. Well, it was what they had to do. They had to <laughs> have, work it out. in order to do the next scene, they had to be able to get them out of there, but not have them killed. So they had to have yeah. the explosion so the water could wash them way out of the room. That way, Bachner could come in there, and he finds the treasure. And then who shows up? That's right. Dagati shows up. Yeah, that's what I put down on my notes on the return of Salah. And it, I was thinking, but again, it, this, 
I kept thinking, I'm sure he got shot seven times, didn't he? And it was, <laughs> yeah, he was like, boom, 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 you know, yeah. Proper. It wasn't like he was shooting him from a distance. He, he had the gun pretty much right up to his chest. And he went, bang, 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 and he all fell down. But he turns up, he's got no, no blood or bullet wounds on him at all, is he? Oh, man. <laughs> and I think he does have some kind of, you know, bulletproof thing on. Yeah. And he kind of shows for a second. But still, come on. Yeah. Uh, so the shows up and starts making Bachner eat the stones so what stones he can pick up and and eat he's making him eat those and uh even makes a comment of you know hey don't worry about it because i'm gonna drag your dead body out of here and split you open and get him out later on yeah that's it i'm like oh wait a minute you still got to carry him (laughs) why don't you just carry the stones (laughs) instead yeah i don't know you can probably carry a lot more you know stuff like that instead of dragging him out of there I think that was probably Cannon's way of trying to create a bit of suspense, but it didn't really work, did it? It was just like, uh, oh, dear. Oh, how about and this thing? Got... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go on. I think I know what you're going to say. I'll let you say. <laughs> this is where Mbopo sees Tina Turner, and she jumps into this long tunnel. And, yeah. and it's just like when the Emperor dies at the end of Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> or not Empire Strikes Back, but uh, the Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I mean, she even does it like a laugh. It's like, it just blows up. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) It's like a huge explosion as well, isn't it? You just think, what's what's made her ignite like that? (laughs) I mean, when they knocked those other dudes off the lava, they didn't explode like that. I mean, they did a little, but not like that. Maybe because she was, like, you know, super-powered or something. Yeah. I mean, is this the point where um, Salah gets crushed by a load of rocks? Yeah, yeah. A, uh, yeah, because of that. Yeah, he gets proper. Yeah. I mean, it's not just one or two rocks, either, is it? It's like a proper tumble down for the rocks, and yep. he's covered. He gets hit by the stones, and then Buckner finishes him off, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, and... And then we of get course, to... that's the last we're going to see of him. We're never going to see him again, are we? <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> and then, uh, so Bachner starts chasing after <laughs> Quartermain and them. Instead of getting the jewels again, he's got to go stop them, I guess. So he runs yeah. out. And uh, they're on these stepping stones. And this is a, I don't know, if, was there anything in uh, Raiders Lost talk about some stepping stones that might be booby-trapped? I, I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> but these are, like, suspended in water. And there's a certain one that you're not supposed to step on or they, you know, they disappear. So we <laughs> kind of missed that going in. They stepped over yeah. these stones. But uh, on the way out, we got uh, Bachner holding them at gunpoint, telling them they need to, place all their jewelry in his hat and he does have a few jewels because he got them in his hat but he pulls the hat off and they're just falling off in the water because they were just stuck to his head because he's got a, ba- a shaved head <laughs> and they're falling off. i'm like well, why don't you catch those man but uh, yeah not not a very smart guy so place them no. in my hat and they say come here and get them and they actually set them down on this certain stone that's right in front of a stone that you're not supposed to step on so he comes over comes over to get them and all the stones just go underwater. And then we get some kind of attack. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I actually put in my notes, I thought this was the river monster out of Red Sonja. It's almost like. <laughs> Pretty close. Do you remember yeah. that bit when, Schwar- yeah. when Schwarzenegger is hanging on to that sort of mechanical that's good. monster? Yeah, that's what I put down. I thought that's what it reminded me of. I just said it was yeah. an ancient hippo because it, <laughs> it was kind of like a hippo, but you couldn't really 
tail? I don't know. No, that's it. No, it's, maybe it was a hippo. <laughs> maybe they just put, put some more horns on it or yeah. something. Or, yeah. <laughs> horny, horny, horny hippo. Yeah. Horny hippo. There you go. <laughs> And uh, um, the stones are still there, and they want to go back and get them, but Umpopo says, no, nope, just leave them there. And then uh, Quartermain gets separated, and uh, because that's just what needs to happen. Because guess who shows up again? That's right. Tagati shows up again. And uh, where else can you fight but in the lava room, right? Yeah. And... Uh, so they're they're fighting, and you got you know, Degati's just <laughs> he's looking pretty rough at this point, man. <laughs> he's been it's shot. No surprise, why he's looking a bit yeah, yeah. sharp, blown up. He's he's looking pretty rough, been uh, crossed with rocks. So uh, maybe we found his weakness because uh, Degati catches on fire, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he comes to run at Quartermain, and Quartermain basically monkey flips him into the lava. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, I've got here a uh, final fight and then explosion like the Death Star. It just goes <laughs> up in here or something like that. It's like, when I saw the explosion, I thought, that looks just like the end of this, you know, A New Hope when they blow up the Death Star. Just goes, <laughs> boom, like that. I was almost expecting the Millennium Falcon to come out. You know, Woohoo! <laughs> Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. <laughs> so now Quartermain's got to get out, but. Uh... You know, how does he do it? Well, he just happens to find this really long pole that he can obviously put down in the lava to swing across and jump across. But, you know, anyways. Yeah, I think there was uh, another one of those big signs with a hand pointing towards it saying, use this pole right. to get across. And uh, he gets out uh, just in time, the, you know, for the for the mine to explode. Yeah, that's it. And so we, all the bad guys are either trapped in there or they're dead, what have you. And uh, they go back to the the tribe that Umbopo is now the leader of. Pretty much says uh, says goodbye to him, you know. And the whole thing was, you know, uh, the stones are supposed to stay in 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 check. You know, there's it's not for any person to have supposedly. So he gives them this big speech about being the right kind of person and all these kind of things. And as soon as he walks away, <laughs> uh, Sharon Stone says uh, to Quartermain, is that a big stone in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a uh, Hugh Frame Roger Rabbit moment here, haven't we? <laughs> right. So both of them actually oh, snuck no. some stuff out, so they're not as good a people as you thought they would be. No, no. <laughs> and that's the way the movie goes off. And, and that's the end of the film, isn't it? I mean, it's... It's so much fun. It's got some goofy, wacky, not great moments in it. But yeah, how can you how can you not be entertained though? Yeah, this is the thing. That's what I said to you earlier. I think this film entertains me more as an adult yeah. than it was as a kid. Because when I was a kid, I wanted to see indie. Right. Um, but now uh, I, I watch it and I think I just totally get this film. Yep. And I find it such an entertaining film. Yep. Um, and there's some great stuff in there. As I said earlier, I don't know how they made this film on the budget that they had right. either, because there is a lot in in this film. Absolutely. You know, regardless. But um, that's one thing you found out about Canon, because eventually that's what broke them, but they were not afraid mm. to spend money. I mean, they, were, oh, no. they threw Absolutely. money at all kinds of stuff, which we will definitely yeah. talk about that later on. If, again, if you watch the Electric <clears throat> Boogaloo uh, you know, document, docu- documentary, I'll get it right here in a second. Yeah. It's just amazing what they did there, and well, there's some great stuff because there was a bit in it when um, 
they're talking about what they're doing at that time. It's probably about mid-80s, and he's, uh, Yoram was on the telephone, and someone was talking to him, and they said, oh, we're just making a film out of Marrakesh, and Yoram's gone, are we? <laughs> he says, yeah, yeah. He said, I can't even remember green light in it. He said, yeah, we're halfway through it. And he's like, I didn't even know about that. And he said, that, that was what it was, you know, what it was like back then. They were making films they didn't know they were making. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and crazy. then uh, Godin said to one of the directors, uh, one of the directors said to him, I'm dying. I can't, I cannot physically make this film anymore. And then go and said, well, make the film and then die. It must have been a fun time. And I think it's probably yeah. a good time for filmmakers, especially independent filmmakers, to get that chance to be able to get a bit of money to make a movie. Yeah. Um, and that's what they did. And, and you, um, just, you can just tell it in this. I mean, you can tell that it just it was for fun. I mean, it was, hey, you know, yeah. we know we're not making groundbreaking films here. We're actually just kind of ripping off what's popular at the time. But, hey, let's yeah. have fun with it, you know. Yeah, and I'll say, I just want to say to the listeners, I know we're reviewing these films, and I do apologize if I'm laughing an awful lot, but I just can't help it. That's you what know, it's it, for. It's genuine. <laughs> I'm just genuinely, um, you could probably hear it in our voice. This is what these films are doing. It's right. just, it's like escapism in a way, isn't it? It's just, uh, it really takes you to another place. Yeah. There's So, yeah. Nothing wrong with laughing at them, man. I think that's what makes oh, it fun. Man. And it, yeah. it makes people want to check it out. You know, when they can hear yeah. us talking about it and having a good time with it, they may, oh, yeah. they may want to go check this out. And, you know, if one person that listens to this goes and checks this movie out for the first time or revisit it, we won. That's that's kind of the whole point, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, as I said to you before, I'm a, I am a lis- listener doing a podcast. So, yeah. <clears throat> and I, the reason why I do listen to um, podcasts is the you, especially you, Rick. Um, well, all of you guys. Um, when you did like how how me? Yeah. It, it just made me laugh. And I'd um, finish work and I'd come home on the train and I'd I'd just listen to your show and I'm I'm just I'm just thinking it's, it's a bit of escapism for me. Sure. So that's kind of what we're trying to do with this show, really. Yeah, absolutely. If it reaches out to someone and someone can go, oh yeah, I remember this film and kind of getting what we're saying and stuff. So that's right. So yeah. yeah. So what should we do? Should we get into a bit of um, alternate 80s on this film? Sure. Who else could have played? Sure. Yeah. Who you who you got in mind? I'm, I, I've got Chevy Chase. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I think, I actually think he could, I think this could actually be a National Lampoon's style movie, <laughs> like a sort of treasure hunt movie. And I think he could actually have, was it Beverly D'Armsley? Yep. Um, that was his, that was his wife, wasn't it, or in the films? Uh, yep. The Griswolds, when it so yeah, I uh-huh. could actually see the Griswolds do this type of movie. I <laughs> that's think it pretty could, awesome. I think it could put off, yeah. That's that's what I had in mind. Well, you kind of uh, you kind of mentioned this guy earlier. Well, you didn't mention him by name, but uh, mm. yeah, yeah, I think you did. But uh, the one that I said was, uh, hey, it's good old Chuck, Chuck Norris. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Which to me, <laughs> this is Richard Chamberlain trying to look like Chuck Norris. Yeah, with the beard and everything. Yeah, I never really noticed that before. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose he does, doesn't he? It yeah, is. So. he is. He is a bit of a... God, he even ripped off Chuck Norris. It's, it's Chuck Norris. <laughs> and uh, uh, playing the female role, I would have said uh, Kathleen Turner. <laughs> uh, they got the real... Yeah. I thought you might just say Grace Jones or something like hey, that. Hey, think about that. 
could you imagine? Except uh, the scene where they're in town, she would have to go and free the slaves because I think that's what she does in the Conan movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's got her staff and all that, isn't right. she? So yeah, that's it. Yeah. Man, if she would have just been dressed Another. like that. Yeah, dressed yeah, like she, she did in the Conan movie, but be the the female role in this movie with Chuck Norris. Wow, yeah. like what a the, movie! Yeah, I suppose she would have been like the um, Amazonian woman that sort of led led into the mines or something like that. It'd been scary though when we went in there and all those frozen women looked like her though. Yeah, <laughs> actually, Stroke Snigga had turned up as Obama. What was it? Um, o, what's the what's the name of his side? Obopo. Yeah. Obombo. Yeah. Yeah. Snigger. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm the leader of this tribe. The <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> thing is, though, we're saying this, but if they made a film like that in 1985, we'd be sitting here, we would be reviewing it right now. Yeah. Not thinking, not even saying that that's a ridiculous idea because it's not, is it? I, I think back then that would have worked. It, it was that. That was the time, man. The the VHS yeah. boom. Uh, you, you know, you you just had the ability to just crank stuff out. Yeah, it was really absolutely. like the second coming of the whole drive-in craze because, you know, Roger Corman and them were just actually making like a movie a week to get it out on mm. the circuit because there was a market there. So with VHS boom and all this stuff, you could do tons of this kind of stuff, even before direct. I mean, you could, you know, make these and have them do a short little run in the theaters and then crank them out on DVD or on VHS. And that's kind of where the, a lot of these movies became very, very popular. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's when um, <clears throat> I said uh, on the last episode with um, Arrow. Yeah. They they are now releasing those type of movies. Yeah. And they're doing really well. I think they're doing real. Um, because um, the marketing of Arrow is very clever because they make a lovely, um, like, poster. Yep. Of the actual film. And the artwork on there is stunning. Yeah, they, they, they do and it right. I think it's um, that is taking me back to the time when I used to go into the video shop and look at these posters and I look at and we've mentioned it before. I think we mentioned it before on Facebook. It, it, you've already seen the film before you watched it, haven't you? In your mind, right. yeah, sure. And um, but I think that's how Canon marketed their films, oh, didn't yeah. they? Because they, um, what was it? It was a funny story. They went to um, Kane's Film Festival. I think it was in the early eighties, just when they bought Canon, and. Um, they took all these projects with them, which didn't really have any scripts or anything <laughs> like that, but they had posters yep. Yep. of the films, and they were taking them there to um, movie executives and going, look, we've got these films, and they're like putting their hands in the pocket and saying, yeah, go and make it. And they're like, and then they come back to the studio. I suppose we better get a script for this. We're going to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. And there's also a funny story with um, an actor called Franco Nero. Oh, yeah. He's a Rus Russian guy. He's... he's for the listeners out, he's es Esperanzo from Die Hard 2. And it was literally, they went in, they, the Golden and Gobus guys went into a restaurant and saw him sitting in the corner and went, isn't that guy an actor? And, yeah, I think he is. And they walked over to him and said, do you want to be in a movie? And he's kind of, you know, speaking very little English. Yeah, sure, yeah, not from. Do you want to be a ninja? And he's gone, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's been greenlit for this film and I think he's turned up on the set and he's gone, I don't know what a ninja is. <laughs> <laughs> and then to top that, he's um, then gone to the premiere of the film. And then they've dubbed his voice. Oh, yeah. And he's gone. He's sat there going, that's not even my voice. He, he, they're giving him like an American actor's, yeah. you know, dub over. But 
Well, of course, you yeah, know, they, he, they... he's the original Django, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what 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 ninja one was he in? Was in is it the it was one the, of the Enter the Ninja? Enter the Ninja, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah, the the kickoff for the Ninja craze. Yeah, so and that, I think that might have been it actually. I think that might have been the start of Canon, wasn't it? Um, yep. For all that sort of generation, the oh, Ninja yep. generation came in, and like you said earlier, the one, the Revenge of the Ninja with losing the Dickie. Oh man, just over, um, so over the top. There's so much cocaine floating around that movie; it's just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they said it was like um, Flash Dance meets The Exorcist. Yeah, exactly. In a, in a ninja Into field. The ninja. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's so crazy. But, oh. but there you go. That's it. That's canon. Um, yeah. And there is absolutely no doubt that we will be revisiting canon oh, again at some point. Without a doubt. So, yeah, yeah folks. We'll be coming back to this. Folks, just let us know, you know, what you think about this movie. If you love this movie, if you don't like this movie, hey, mm. Facebook us. You know, we got the groups going on. And just kind of give us some feedback. Also, just let us know kind of what you'd like for us to, to to conquer next. I mean, we've got a couple that we're going to do, but uh, we're ready for some requests. And uh, just try to make that work for you. But uh, I don't know about you, RJ, but I'm really having a blast, man. Oh, I'm really having a good time here, Rick. Like I say, I, I appreciate you asking me to do a podcast. Hey, um, it's 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 going better it's... than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, Rick, I think um, it's really nice to talk to you about films. You yep. said it before. I think that's when you messaged me to start with. You said you and me should be talking about movies. And right. That's exactly what we're doing. If um, anybody wants to listen to us, you know, that's right. we're, we're there to be listened to. Right. Um, but should we tell the listeners about our next project or next show? Because sure. we've got a listener request, haven't we, on our first listener request? Yeah, we got a re- listener request on Instagram that uh, basically said it just—I mean, it just said three words: Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Not would you please do or do you like or it just—it just said Howard the Duck. So uh, yeah. our next episode, we're going to drop. We're going to feature the George Lucas. Bad egg movie, Howard the Duck. So that should be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, we'll give that a go. Um, yes. Uh, again, I think that's another. It, it's a bad egg, but it's still a cult, sort of cult classic. Uh, cult classic of the eighties, isn't it? Oh yeah. You say Howard the Duck, and people go, "Yeah, I know he is." Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I look forward to getting into that one. Yeah, yeah. that'd be good. So, that'd be good. There you go, guys. All right. Well, folks, uh, that's it for us. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Like I said, check out uh, other episodes, all the stuff going on at Legion Podcast. There's a lot of shows going on there. We will see y'all later. Adios. See you later, guys. enjoyed this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema b devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, 
Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. <laughs>